Hey, Steamy. This week on the Steam Machine. Dude, oh my, you're just a head. What happened to your body? What happened? Did Sephiroth do this? and welcome back to another wonderful and exciting episode of the steam machine podcast my name is dalton and joining me are the destructo bros what's up everybody it's nate again hello it willie hi and this week we have a guest or do we is it not just another part of me no we have split the amoeba has become two and myself up in canada paul shipu hello how you doing buddy hi that's the hi. deep that's the deepest i can get i'm not gonna be able to get as deep as you <laughs> But it's just as sultry. Like, he didn't split the deep part of his vocal cords for you, but he did split the vocal cords for you. It's the high sex and the low sex. Let's go. <laughs> did um, you just call Dalton a bottom? <laughs> I mean, I do my best work from the bottom. <laughs> Started from the bottom, now we're here. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, yes, so Pulse is joining us, or as people call him, uh, Canna Dalton, and I am Amara Pulse. Yeah. Uh, what? Just to just to bring our listeners up to this, because it was started off as a Tadpog Discord joke. What started this? I don't even remember. Was it Nando? Yeah, it was definitely Nando, because Nando confused me and you for some reason, and he's like, I can't tell the difference between Dalton and Pulse, and I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He also has trouble telling me and Jeff apart. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it kind of just went from there. <laughs> Nate and Jeff were like, "We don't sound alike at all," and me and me and Paul were just like, "We're the same person." Yeah, we just embraced. <laughs> we went two opposite ways. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, gentlemen, how are you? How are you doing this week? What you been up to? Let's uh, let's start with Mister Yellow Jacket. Oh hey, um, so I mean, this ain't a lot, but um, just yesterday the. Uh, early beta as opposed to the closed alpha for uh uh wb games multiverses dropped so late last night me and they got on there and you so you had to get into it you had to you know create a wb games account which is whatever i mean the game still launches through steam or your preferred consoles yep could you repeat that name one more time for adam wb games or multiverses multiverses okay thank you yeah multiverses okay continue oh okay I, I used to accidentally. I keep I, typing metaverses every time I try to type <laughs> the name into. So it, it's all of us did bad here. No, I'm just picking on Adam because he called it multiverse the whole episode that he did. We know there's an M. We know there's an M, a V, and an S in there. That's about it. But so um, Marvel versus Sapcom. Ah, Marvel versus SNK. They cut Capcom clear out of the occasion. Ooh, I, I was thinking nice. Marvel versus Saban. Power Rangers versus. Marvel. Oh, sh- <laughs> I would play that fighter actually. Heck yeah, that actually sounds kind of dope. <laughs> Trademark, um, trademark, 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 TM, 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 TM. <laughs> All right, continue though. Multiverses. No, because now I'm imagining Goldar like swinging his sword and Wolverine rolling around, and it's kind of awesome. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, so you had to set up an account and then watch before if you the full beta is going to start next like in a one like five days after this episode comes out. So you don't even have to do all this. You can just download it straight at that point. But the early access, you have to find a streamer with drops enabled and just watch the game for an hour or whatever, which is fine. Cause you get kind of a little bit of a sign for what 
you know, the early game meta looks like and what characters beginners are using. And so we jumped in and you only start with like five characters unlocked. And um, it was actually pretty fun. You know, we, it was a little trouble. We didn't have too much trouble learning the basic controls and stuff, but figuring out what combos, what kills and all that's going to take a little while. And uh, even though there's a pretty limited roster right now, I think the game's supposed to expand to something like 30 characters pretty early on. Yeah, and we played for a little while last night. It was a good time. Like, we need to get online so we can start getting coins to unlock the characters that are available that we don't have. But I really enjoy playing as Wonder Woman a lot. Now, that is a question I have for y'all. I think you are able to unlock all the characters by earning them, right? You don't have to buy them? That's super cool. Okay, continue. Sorry, I just wanted to check. Yeah, we used to play a lot of Brawlhalla, and this game uses a similar monetization method where you can unlock characters using the in-game gold coins currency, which you just get by doing anything, including playing online games and doing, like, daily and, like, seasonally missions and all that. And then there's also a premium currency that you can use to buy, like, premium skins and a couple other things. And you can also use that to unlock characters if you're impatient, but it tends to be a much... It's a pretty bad time to money investment if you do it that way. Like, it seems better to just play the game and use the gold. They'll get new characters as you earn it. Okay. So, okay. Smite is the exact same way. So, okay. Mm. I think this is a pretty common free-to-play model. Um, But so, the the five characters that start off unlocked with are uh, Wonder Woman, who is... A very honest character for the most part, it feels like. She's got, she does good damage, has a good movement knockback, has like one rangy attack that, uh, is like a lasso and has like some shielding based moves. Then there's, uh, Shaggy who has like a little bit of gimmickry to him, but he feels mostly honest. Like he almost feels like, like an old Smash Luigi type of character. He has some, some projectiles, some like tornado y type things, but he's also, you know, he's, 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 he's okay. Uh, Jake the dog from Adventure Time, who has, you know, long-range stretchy attacks and can transform his body and stuff, and seems like someone who would be really fun if I learned how to do all this stuff. Um, Taz, who is the character for if you actually have, like, no brain and just want to get in there and start hitting buttons right away, and he is super fun. Like he, all That's of super stupid. Real dumb. He's, like, he, you would expect this from Taz. He's not supposed to be the most intelligent guy in the game. Uh, he's, you know... You play him like an animal. It's fun. He has like he runs up and like salt and peppers you and spins around in tornadoes and basically tries to eat you and it's fun. And uh, oh yeah, go ahead. I wanna play you like an animal. (laughs) (laughs) I wanna spin around. Okay. Anyway, um, I didn't have a full joke there. Um, and the last character that you start off with is Harley Quinn, who is one of those very mobile, does a lot of hits, and feels like she has some extra spice with like movement-based attacks that set up other things that I couldn't figure out the full use of right away. Is it uh, how's how's the polish feel on it? Like I know it's still a beta, but I mean, one thing I'm surprised by is compared to a lot of the other platform fighters, it feels a lot less. I don't know wiggly and super rapid movement and a little bit more like you're kind of controlling space and your ground a lot more like a little closer to the almost like a traditional fighter in terms of that uh, it seems like it's a lot harder to, harder to edge guard too because you have so much so much options once you're off stage like you have like a full two jumps two air dodges and two air attacks when you're off stage unless you end up spending because i don't think you get anything back when you get hit either and there's yeah. like Brahalla style walls you can hit and climb up off the kind of wall kick and get your stuff back. So like, there's, yeah. there's a, it's it's pretty easy to get back to the stage unless you get completely knocked off. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Edging's always hard for me, so I totally get that. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> Very chafe-inducing. Uh, what, what about you, Paul? She what you been up to the past few weeks? Uh, man, past I have two past two weeks. Past two, I don't know. I've been playing a little bit of. Uh, 
I've I've expanded my horizons and I played Fall Guys finally because it's free, mm. and uh, it's pretty cool. I, I'm not uh, one for playing three hours on end, but I can do that with Phasmo a lot, and that's what I've been doing. <laughs> but uh, hell yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much the extent of my gaming. I tried to play some Dead by Daylight again like a couple nights ago, and that one it's like I really got to be in the mood for. Oh, I know how you feel. <laughs> well, speaking of Phasmo, like uh, me, Dalton, and Willie have been playing a couple of games that are kind of similar to it. And one that I think we'd really like to get into with you sometime soon, Paul, should be Devour. Because it seems like it'd be really fun with a full squad of four because three was not cutting it for us. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I can, yeah. I don't know if I can like pull up the slack because, yeah, either way, it'll be entertaining. Just I don't know if you'll get a win from it. Just be our other body. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have to. Uh, I'll have to get you forewarned too. I bought the voice forewarned, and that's another one. It's like, for, okay, so devour is like, for example, in the level that we played, uh, you get these eggs, and you have to clean them off, and then burn them at the specific altar. The more you burn, the lady gets mad. Uh, hilarity ensues and terror. Uh, forewarned is phasmophobia, but instead of going into houses that are haunted, you go into Egyptian tombs ice and try to find the relic and stuff and it's just like the i think we talked about it on the last episode but i cannot praise the sound design in that game enough like being down there in the temple and stuff is fucking awesome but devour devour is fun as fuck and it would be great to have you come in there and play with us i've got it installed ready to go so i have to do that soon yeah devour is a little bit more actiony survival action whereas phasma or forward is very much the phasma rhythm of gameplay okay yeah for sure I still die a lot in Phasmo, I'm not going to lie, but I kind of don't care anymore. I'm just like, half my friends end up cheating. So it's like, okay, he's paying for everything. I don't care. Everybody else is like, oh. have a friend that does that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's just like, eh, screw it. I just kind of have fun with it. And I'll I'll be the, uh, basically, I'm the meat shield without even trying it. Well, my thing with that was like, I knew that like it was annoying to lose your shit and then it would be like you had to buy something you didn't have enough money and all that and it would cause like not not rifts or anything like that but people would be like god damn it and I wanted to avoid that so I just loaded up on money and was like alright now we just have the shit don't worry about losing it let's just let's yeah. just try to win yeah and it became a lot more fun after that in my opinion yeah I agree it was because like you said it took that pressure off they were like oh right now I don't have my flashlight anymore this is gonna suck yeah yeah, for sure. And that's one nice thing about Forewarned is that they at least give you that dinky little helmet flashlight. Like, doesn't show much, but it at least shows the ground you're walking on so you can see a hole. And also with Forewarned, uh, it's all permanent upgrades. You don't actually lose stuff after a death yeah. or anything. So once you've yeah. upgraded equipment, you just have the new up- upgrade forever. Yeah, that is super nice. Yeah, for sure. Um, but Nate, what have you been up to the past couple of weeks, my brother? Yeah, a few things. Like started playing this game that you've recommended I buy a while back then. I never turned it on. Then Dave at the Tadpog Discord, shout out to Tyler and Dave, old, play old games, um, recommend saying that Vampire Survivors was super fun. And so I ended up trying that out finally. And I sunk like 10 hours into it already. Like it's, <laughs> it's just a super fun game and it's like two ninety nine on steam right now. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, go for it. But it's like kind of controls like a, um, shoot them up where you're trying to avoid getting killed by all the enemies. But like, instead of having control over your weapons, like an auto fire situation. So the only control you really have is your movement and deciding what upgrades to take. 
So it's kind of a cool little blend of some that kind of gameplay with a little bit of roguelite type stuff to it because you can get unlocks and stuff. So it's really cool. I've been enjoying that a lot. Oh, so you don't mm-hmm. actually control the angles that you shoot? I thought it kind of had like a twin stick shooter type thing. So you can, with one weapon, control the angle that you shoot at, but you don't control the when you shoot. It just shoots in oh. the direction you're facing, which is the knife. But everything else is just kind of, we aim at what we want to. <laughs> oh, damn. I didn't even realize that when I was watching people play it. it yeah. That game looks a lot of fun because it's got this very obviously Castlevania-inspired aesthetic. And mm-hmm. I feel like for a lot of people, like I saw people in the Tadpog chat say that they thought that that made it a lot easier to pick up than a, like a sci-fi-themed shooter would be comparatively. Because it's like, oh, I already kind of love this atmosphere. Let's go. Yeah, because if it was like spaceships, I don't think I'd be anywhere near as invested as I am with it being like the obvious Alucard and Simon Belmont ripoff characters. <laughs> Yeah, I I played a little bit of it as well. Um, Now that I know I can play with a controller, I think I'll like it a lot more. Yeah, I can't believe you didn't try the controller, (laughs) my dude. I just, dude, there's, like, when games are, like, that style on PC, I usually just assume that they didn't code in controls. Like, I figured it would be a, like, a walk, more of a walking around game. I expected it to be more, like, Castlevania-esque, but on, like, an open world like Zelda. You know what I mean? Mm, and it's just yeah. not what it was. <laughs> no. It's still still really cool, though. Yeah. And then I got my guitar in. I don't know if I mentioned that on the last episode. I think I might have mentioned that I was buying one. Yeah. So I have that now. So I've been practicing all my heavy metal stuff on my new electric guitar. It's been a lot of fun. I've been playing a lot of Black Sabbath. Yes. Because that just has... Oh, the yeah. feel that I'm going for right now. And just learning a few riffs from like Metallica and course playing mother by danzig because who hasn't learned how to play that song by ear at this point (laughs) (laughs) i just have to say real quick because i always bring this up when somebody mentions danzig and i don't think i've ever said it on the show um if you want to hear what i call the meanest guitar riff ever written listen to danzig's song skin carver it's phenomenal yeah you you sent that to Wow, no, yeah. same, same words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you said that to us, and I was just jamming out to that, because that, that's pretty sick guitar in that song. I love it. And then, other than that, on a completely different musical note, last night, I went to a concert with my wife. So, in complete um, difference to heavy metal, we went and saw Josh Groban. And that's country, correct? <laughs> no, no, Josh Groban is like classically trained singer like sings like opera type music and oh. wow i was yeah and I, yeah you were way off yeah like, we would not go to a country concert because <laughs> he's called grosh didn't you josh you scumbag all joshes <laughs> don't sing country but it's funny because i'm like yeah that's the one because like she's been in love with josh Kirby since she's like 16 years old like yeah that's the one man you can sleep with and i'll be okay with <laughs> <laughs> there's always the one yeah yeah so it was a good time but what we didn't realize when we were going there it was just like we were getting there like this is an outdoor venue isn't it and we were like because it's like 100 degrees outside here in tennessee and yep it ended up being an outdoor venue when neither one of us realized it as we were driving out there because it was like in franklin tennessee which is like south of nashville and we just assumed that it would be indoors but it was kind of like in a rock quarry built out into a rock quarry. It was a really cool venue. Like, it would have been awesome if it was like 80 degrees outside. But, you know, you get into it, start enjoying it, and see how happy she is. It's just like, I don't mind the temperature. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah, man. I've had my. We had a lot of fun. 
I've had people tell me this, like when they take their kids to Disney World and stuff, that they have the same thing. Where it's like it's really hot, but their kids super enjoying it, so it's like it doesn't it doesn't hurt as much. Yeah, <laughs> like the, the pain of the being in the heat. So I can understand that. Well, that's cool, man. I'm glad you all had a good time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, I guess that leaves me, huh? Um, I. I Dog, been what playing, were you doing the last couple of weeks? I've been yeah. playing a lot of Final Fantasy VII, a lot of it. Um, but never heard of it. I also dabbled in some Code Vein. Have y'all heard? Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a, that's some it's some vampire stuff, right? It's got a big character editor to it. Uh, it does have a character editor to it. Um, I'm not sure it's if it has to do with it's vampires. Anime. It's anime. It's the one that's really anime. That's right. Yeah, it is basically anime Dark Souls. Yeah. Nice. And I don't know why I said vampires. I think the word vain threw me. It is. And Dalton loves vampires. Yeah, I do love vampires. I do. <laughs> um, Code Vein's fucking fun, dude. Um, if you're a fan of that Dark Souls style where it's like hard. Uh, but once you get used to the flow of the combat and stuff, like, I'm having a blast with it. Just playing it you know, here and there. Um but I, I I think Nate, if you were going to try to test out the Dark Souls style, I would recommend either going with the first Dark Souls game or check out Code Vein, um, because Code Vein would be a good like middle point between like Dragon Quest looking game and the dark, <laughs> depressing thing that is Dark Souls. <laughs> it's like Code Vein being nice in the middle. Um, nice. That's actually a I'll really good way to start. on Steam. And just see what it looks like because I'm not too familiar with what that is, but like I would love to see a little bit of it. Yeah, for sure. What was that, Paul? That's a definitely a good way to sum it up, though, because it's just like dra- Dragon Quest or Dairy Queen, as I like to call it. Because every time I see DQ, I think <laughs> Dairy Queen. So Dairy Queen anime is like chibi as it gets, and then Dark Souls is dark and gothic as it gets, and Code Vein is just like dead center. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Is that a Dairy Queen cup? Ah, sure nice. is. Wow. <laughs> so it's Chibi Goth. Got it. Yeah. Chibi Goth. That kind of sounds fun. <laughs> um, I have also been dabbling in. So for RPG the dark Maker, arts. always I always dabble <laughs> in the dark arts, sir. I've been dabbling with uh, RPG Maker XP has this set that you can get online. It's called the Pokemon Essentials. And it's basically all the tile sets from Pokemon games and things like that that people have recreated in RPG Maker. And it's free. You can go and download it. Um, So I've been checking out some of the games that people have made. Uh, We did an episode for the Steam Machine on one of them, uh, Pokemon Uranium, back in the day. If you would like to go and listen to that and give that episode some more downloads, that'd be sweet. You all rock. It's a solo episode. He feels shy about those. Yeah, and it's like one of the least less than two episodes. So yeah, you should go check that out. Um, But... So I've been dabbling with this this game that was made in RPG Maker called Pokemon Phoenix Rising, right? And the thing that caught my eye about this is it's a Pokemon game, but you also have skill trees, and there are, like, quests, like, RPG quests and stuff that you have to do. Like, starting out, I had to go... I was talking to this guy, and he's like, damn, I'm out of tea. Could you please go ask your mother if she has any tea that I could have? I am so sorry for this. Did you have to go to your house and talk to your mom? You know, like a little fetch quest, right? And then... So the incentive, it's made me want to talk to everybody in town. And I, I haven't remembered the last time I talked to everybody in town in a Pokemon game. And for, you know, Except certain towns where I'm like, man, you look like you're going to give me a free Pokemon. Let me talk to you. <laughs> but, Hello, shady character in the corner. Yeah, exactly. Hello, redhead child peering into the professor's office. What are you doing there? Oh, he just kicked me. That's not nice. 
Fight start. I've been uh, playing Heart Gold because eventually Adam is going to do an episode on that and would like to have me on. So I've been dabbling in nice. that as well. But uh, hey, I'm really enjoying the the Phoenix Rising. It makes me want to. Uh, I might throw one of those. I mean, I don't think they're on the list. If they are, then they're already on there, and then I don't have to worry about it. But some of the uh, because they're free and people could play along with us and stuff. The RPG Maker Pokemon games that'd be cool to do sometime. Uh, For the, sure. The only other thing that jumped out to me is I was playing Tekken Seven last night and having a blast. Uh, I beat the Mishima storyline, and now I have to go and do all the little so- solo character stories and stuff. But I saw on Twitter today while I was doing my uh, research for the news shows, Netflix is doing a Tekken anime. Oh, anime. Okay. And I was like, ooh, let me check this. It's going to be about Jin Kazama. Kazama, excuse me, Jin Kazama. So it's like... uh, Kiryu's brother. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's Hihachi. Then there's... um, Oh, shit. What is his name? Hiachi, then Kazuya? Kazuya? Kazuya, yeah, Kazuya. Uh, playing Yakuza's fucked me up, bro, because I, I, now I get those <laughs> names confused. I called Kiryu Kazuya, and now I couldn't remember Kazuya. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's Kazuya, and then his little brother's Jin, and it's going to be about him, and apparently, like, shenanigans happen, and he ends up having to go and fight in the King of the Iron Fist tournament, which is... Yeah, you know, it's funny, because like, I remember you sent us an outside of Xbox video not too long ago where they were talking about like the weirdest transformations of characters, and Jen was in that, so I wonder if I was going to kind of go down that path line that Jen went into the games. It'd be interesting, because I think it was Tekken 2, that you like fight Jen at the oh, end, and then you beat yeah. him, and then he turns into Devil Jen. Yeah. Devil Jen, exactly. Yeah. Devil Jen was the easiest character to ever cheese with, because you could just do this attack where he'd jump up and he'd do this laser beam thing from his head or his chest i can't remember and it would just go like and basically cover the entire screen so you could just spam that and nobody would be able to get up like you couldn't block it (laughs) yeah second characters are not built to deal with attacks at a distance (laughs) yeah i had a buddy of mine uh, i've talked about before he was just stupid good with king in any tekken game and that was the only character i could beat him with was devil devil Jin or angel oh you had to beat you had to beat the game with Devil Jin. You'd unlock Angel, who was basically just a palette swap, or um, you know, move swap. I mean, like it looked like an Angel woman, but she had the same moves as Devil Jin. God, nice. Tekken Two was good. Yeah, I, had I don't think I owned Tekken Two, and I still remember that's how you unlocked her, which is crazy. Yeah, I would not mind playing a Tekken game for the show at some point. I had Tekken I mean, Two actually when. I, I got a used PlayStation when I was a kid. We bought it off like my cousin or something, and he had. Uh, Tekken 2 was one of the, like, the demo disc, Tekken 2, and oh, what was it, like, Frog Stomp or Splash or something, whatever, uh, Leapfrog. Jumping, jumping Flash? Jumping Flash, thank you. Yeah, so. Yeah, that was Robit. Yeah, <laughs> so I was playing those ones all the time, but Tekken 2, I went crazy with. And I, oddly enough, did not play Paul all that much, because, <laughs> no, man. I didn't. loved Paul. Yeah. Yeah. That- yeah, punch thing. <laughs> yeah, where you just go like flying across. Yeah, yeah dude, he gives him like Falco punch. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking Was at my demo? games over here, and I don't see Tekken two. I know I had it, so it's around somewhere where it got sold. But I'm look. I have the original Tekken still. Nice. It's good Was shit. that demo disc you had back in the day? Was it one of the ones that had level one of Parappa the rapper on it? Because I feel like everyone had a level one Parappa <laughs> the rapper disc. I wish. 
I never even got Kick, to play that. Punch. It's all in the mind. If you want to test me, I'm sure you'll find the things I teach you are sure to beat you, but nevertheless, you'll get a lesson from teacher. Now, kick. Kick. Work. <laughs> punch, 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 punch. You rapping bad. <laughs> I just remember that. Like, I used to just mash the button. It was funny to me. It was Parappa just going, punch, 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 punch. punch. <laughs> I, I wish that I game had. was fun though. Parappa was a lot of fun. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's Rosie from uh, PlayStation Access's favorite game. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Had a cool aesthetic and a neat concept. I don't think the scoring system worked literally at all. But aside from that, it's weird because if you look at that game, it has the aesthetic that that same time period of games where Sega was putting out. It looks like it should have been a Sega game. Ooh, that's yeah. actually kind of on point. Yeah, I can see that. Hundred percent. Yeah. I wish I still had all those old demo discs that I used to have because I was PlayStation Magazine kid. So I got the disc every month. And my PlayStation 3 is one of the early models, so it's backwards compatible with PS1 and PS2. And I wish I could play all those old demo discs. (laughs) That'd be awesome. um, Real quick, the uh, Fantasy League. Ooh, Fantasy uh, League. Stray released today. Cat game. Yeah, big hype. I've seen a lot of people excited about that. I uh, I watched Ash from PlayStation Access play some of it, and then after we're done recording and I'm done editing, I have to watch a video with Ellen from Outside Extra playing it. But oh, excuse me, um, Cody had that one, and it got an 84, so nice. like 14 points. Um, I feel bad for Mike. He's got two games that he listed that are neither of them are coming out this year. Uh, sea of Stars and Replaced have both been delayed out of the year. Sea of Stars got delayed. Yeah. Oh. Early 2023. Ouch. Um, I mean, they're going to make a great game there. Just they unfortunate are. for the unfortunate for the fantasy league. Uh, it looks like uh, Steph, uh, Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak, got her an 87. Okay. Dang. Right. Evil Dead, the game, got her a 74. Is that positive or minus points? That's plus four. It's plus four points. Plus four. Okay. That's uh, interesting. I was wondering how that game was going to do because, like, it's like another Dead by Daylight type game, right? Yeah, pretty much. I said, I think, I think you might be able to fight back, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, be weird if Ash could not fight back. Wow. Yeah, I need to look this game up. Um, Phil, Philly G, the old uh, Mr. Babylon's Fall, <laughs> made up for that man. Uh, Neon White came out, which is on his list. It oh. got a 90. Wow. Yeah, I'm hearing people go fucking ape shit for Neon White, actually. I need, I don't even know what it is, but everyone seems in love with this game right now. Yeah, I have no idea. This is the first time I've heard of it, but that's a really high score. Really, I'm going to Google it right now. Neon Do White. It. I assume it's some kind of like cyberpunky action game based on the oh. name. Oh, I remember when this game was announced. Okay, so yeah, it's uh, it's, it's like a speed running first person shooter where you sacrifice your guns for godlike parkour moves. Oh, oh nice. that's what that is. Oh, shit. That looks awesome. It's by... That does look dope. Wow. Okay, so this was published by Annapurna, who is the developer that did Stray. Hmm. And they also oh. did... Uh, let's see. They did Outer Wilds, uh, What Remains of Edith Finch. And I know for a fact that they did one of my favorite games, which uh, this might be my next pick. I uh, know uh, since we're going to do like shorter games, so we stay on track for October. Um, I might... My next pick might be The Unfinished Swan. Okay. Nice. Um, okay. Which is one of the cooler experiences I've had in a game. Like it's it's really interesting. But yeah, dude, this neon white game looks fucking badass. I'll uh I'll post that in the uh Discord later so everybody can check out the link. Um other than that, uh you gentlemen you gentlemen about ready for some uh, some Final Fantasy chat? 
Let's do it. Got that O-dubs for us, Mr. Dalton. Got the O-dubs, the obligatory Wikipedia bullshit. Final Fantasy VII is a 1997 role-playing video game developed by Square and published for the PlayStation console. Yes, kids, this was before it was Square Enix. It is the seventh main installment, who would have guessed, in the Final Fantasy series. Published in Japan by Square, it was released in other regions by Sony Computer Entertainment. Wait, we're talking about Final Fantasy VII and not Final Fantasy 511? I read the numbers wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go. Bye, Paul. <laughs> uh, it was Call 511 f- on your way out. <laughs> oh, that's actually interesting. So this was the first fa- Final Fantasy in the main series with a PAL release. Hmm. Uh, that's I didn't know that. Uh, the game's story follows Cloud Strife, a mercenary who joins the eco-terrorist organization to stop a world-controlling megacorporation from using the planet's life essence as an energy source. That was a hell of a sentence. Events send Cloud and his allies in pursuit of Sephiroth, a former member of the corporation who seeks to destroy the planet. During the journey, Cloud builds close friendships with his party members, including Aerith Gainsborough, who holds the secret to saving their world. Uh, and just a quick interesting fact, development of this game originally began in 1994 for the Super Famicom. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine Final Fantasy VII on the Super Nintendo? Like, No. As a kid, I was, I, I gotta say, I thought because in North America it was Final Fantasy 2 and 3, not 4 and 6. So I thought that we missed 4, 5, and 6, and that's why we had Final <laughs> Fantasy VII was such a crazy thing <laughs> it's like <laughs> wow <laughs> i wonder what the other games are like i will say there is a rom floating around on the internet that you can find that is a like a chinese version of final fantasy 7 and it's for the original nintendo what? oh the so demake like, yeah yeah it's all final fantasy 7 sprites and stuff but nintendo and apparently it's hard as shit <laughs> but it looks cool I've never heard of that. That's a really interesting fact. Yeah, just look it up. Final Fantasy VII D-Make. Okay. Yeah, you'll find a ROM of it. And like I said, I think that was like the Final Fantasy VII release for China because they didn't get it back then because of whatever regime was going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'll be kind. I'll be nice. Let the guests go first. Paulsch, what was your first experience with Final Fantasy VII, sir? Oh, man. We uh, rented a PlayStation and we rented... Final Fantasy 7, and we didn't have a memory card. <laughs> and uh, it was a one-day rental. We didn't have a place where you could go like Blockbuster where it would be like three-day rentals. So it was a one-day rental, and so basically we were trying to get as far as we could. So I got basically into the uh, like the tram, and that was it. Not the tram, the train, whatever you want to call it. So yeah. we got out of Sector 7, and then we were basically going on second mission, and that was it. And then I ended up going the wrong way instead of the right way, because you're supposed to run down towards, away from the screen. We were running towards it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and that was as far as we got. We died. And, yeah, and we had no save to go back to, so. Uh, oh, God. Yeah. That is heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I didn't touch it again until that was grade seven when that was out for me. And I didn't play it again until grade 11 because my friend owned it, lent it to me, and he was telling me, you got to try this, you got to try that. So I basically went through the entire thing with like four facts from gamefacts.com and just Yo. reading everything that I could. And I'm just like, I'm making sure I get this. I'm making sure I get that. So I made up for it. Dude. 
I used to print those walkthroughs. Oh, my God. <laughs> Same. Yeah. I did I did that with one, which was we didn't have access to the internet at our home computer for a long time, but I had the official Doom FAQ from a disc called D-Zone, and I printed that out off an old freaking Please tell me Dot Matrix. Matrix yes. printer. <laughs> I like, carried that around with me whenever I was going to something I thought I would be bored at, like when I went to, I think, one of Nathan's baseball games as a kid. <laughs> or two-ball or something. Yeah, sports ball. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> well, he, he's no caca demon. <laughs> sure can't compete with that far less handsome than a caco demon actually no wait i had two of them that i did that with i did that with that and i did that with wizardry 7 because the disc we had was a recompiled version that had an faq on the disc that also had all the how to get around the copyright protection things it had one of those damn manual based copy you know turn to page 22 and look at the third word of the second paragraph type oh, yeah. and so the disc we had had Oh uh, my the, god, I forgot all about that. Yup! Yeah. That is a memory. <laughs> the Prince of Persia oh, password system, I called it. Yeah, absolutely. I watched the uh, an episode of Outside Xbox the other day, and Mike was talking about American sports. You bring in a baseball, made me think of this, and he's like, he goes, well, come on. He goes, American sports are dreadful. He goes, the only people who watch them are Americans, so it doesn't matter. He's, he's like, it's not, it's not a big, I think he was talking about football. He's like, I much prefer our football. He's like soccer, as they call it over there. But it's wrong. It's football. <laughs> it just cracked me up. He didn't even give any love to baseball. He's like, he didn't even bring it up. He's talking about that in basketball, football and basketball. Um. So, Willie, Nate, uh, you got. I don't know which one of you wants to go first, but since you guys grew up together, obviously uh, your experiences with Final Fantasy VII. I mean, my first experience with Final Fantasy VII was probably watching him play it, so I'll let him go for it. <laughs> Um, that was like the fourth Final Fantasy game I ended up playing because I think we had the NES Final Fantasy first. Mm-hmm. Uh, in middle school, I found out like I had gotten into emulators for a, you know in like seventh or eighth grade and found the ROM of Final Fantasy two as it was called at the time. We have four. And I actually remember that one for because I got stuck based on uh, just emulation wasn't very good yet, and um, there was a cave very early on in the game. I think it's called the Cave of Mists, and there was a. Uh, a layer of mist that hung over the 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 uh, like in the foreground. And I didn't know how to disable foreground layers, and that version of ZSNES didn't have transparency yet. So the entire screen was just an impossible to parse fog screen. And I even asked like a girl in my class who had played the heck out of Final Fantasy too. You know what am I supposed to do? I'm stuck here, and she's like, "That shouldn't be happening. You should be able to see. What are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah, brutal. Yeah, so that my journey ended there for a while until I found out later on how to disable the layer or whatever. Maybe I upgraded the emulator. But then later on, we got Final Fantasy VIII and later on went back and bought seven because we knew that one was like one of the more popular games at the time. But I think eight was maybe the first. Well, it's not playing the heck out of one back in the day. Eight was probably the first one we really got into. Seven was interesting because we got it and our first instinct about it was that in a lot of ways it almost looked a little bit of a step backwards because eight had very realistic type of graphics and seven had a lot of really stylized proportions and all of that. But we thought the setting seemed interesting and all that, but it was, it was working uphill to compete against eight from the start. Yeah. Is yeah. I think our first reaction. Yeah. And that, that was basically my first reaction to it too. You know, like uh, Nate, do you agree? I assume that you're like, yeah, I completely agree with that. Cause like it's, like, I've never been one of the persons who thinks the graphics is the most important thing in a game because it's not Jeremy. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but in the PlayStation 1 era, that's one of the main selling points. Yeah, we, for we sure. We wouldn't have gotten Legend of Dragoon if it wasn't that good looking. Yeah, yeah. 
But, like, it was hard to compete against Final Fantasy VIII for Final Fantasy VII, in my opinion. Still is. Yeah. And, like, whereas when Nine came out, it looked like it was meant to be stylized and meant to be a throwback to the earlier games. Seven looked like it was just kind of limited and it was trying new things. Doing its best. Doing its best. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so my first experience with the Final Fantasy games, I think I've talked about this when we did eight, was my brother gave me and my dad Final mm-hmm. Fantasy VIII. Um, but my friend Emmett and his brother Luke, in fact, Emmett is the guy who could beat me in Tekken with one hand with King. Um, dude, they loved seven and they did not like eight. Like they were like, eight's all right, but it's just not as good as seven. And I never understood that because again, eight was my first one. Back in the day, I swear, Final Fantasy VII versus Final Fantasy VIII was one of those arguments right up there alongside of, like, Nintendo versus Sega, WWF versus WCW, Kirk versus Picard, Mike versus Joel. You said you got into those arguments when you just wanted to start something with somebody. <laughs> yeah, man. And so, I never owned Seven, and they liked it too much to let me borrow it <laughs> because they might want to play it at any time. So, uh, I never really played it other than when I bought... When I got Toe Ball number one, it came with a demo of Final Fantasy VII. So I played that opening reactor a good amount. Nice. <laughs> that, that was like, it ended after that uh, that opening reactor scene. So but, there's the thing about like Final Fantasy on the PlayStation 1 era too as well. As I remember like we had Final Fantasy VIII and we got Final Fantasy VII. And then we had the Final Fantasy Anthology collection, which was 4, 5, and 6. And... I still remember liking four, five, and six more than I ever liked seven back then, too. That had Chrono Trigger on it too, didn't it? Wasn't yeah, there it were four, five, six. There actually Trigger? there were three collections. They mixing up oh. uh, anthology, which had five and six, and Chronicles, Chronicles which had four and Chrono Trigger. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, even still, I mean, that's cool though, that they but were yeah. accessible. I, I remember hearing about that. Uh, as far as FMVs and things like that, those are the best mm-hmm. versions, but the load times are atrocious. Yeah, it really That's hurts the- when you're playing a n- Nintendo game with load time. Yeah, bad, bad. Yeah. Especially Chrono Trigger suffered the most from that, and we did, that was our only way of experiencing Chrono Trigger at the time. Because I don't know if you remember, but even back then, the NES, their Super Nintendo cartridge for that game was one of the highest, most expensive. Like it was regularly selling used for over a hundred dollars. It was not something we were just going to luck into, yeah. and so that was how we played it. And it, we didn't even notice the load times because. I mean, even though the, one of the big selling points is how seamlessly the game transitions from overworld to battle, it's like, that's that's the only version of it we knew, and the game was so obviously good that it kind of, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely, dude. It's like one of those things where if you Didn't don't know, up. then you wouldn't notice it, you know? Um, yeah. That's like the first time I played Chrono Trigger was on my phone, on a little emulator. Like, it was fun. What can I say? <laughs> like, but I, I much preferred playing it on the computer with an actual controller and stuff yeah. and not just like tapping my phone screen but though nate now that you bring up those remakes for the playstation one and the remakes and the retranslation re-releases like for five and for two i just realized because there was the, the origins one that came later because i think all of them were two of the game sets so origins was one and two right yeah. so three just never came out here mm-hmm. for the longest ass time did it no i still I think don't that- know where you get three other than the pixel remaster right yeah um steam. i think there's a 3d there's a 3d version of three because i think it's yeah it's no on steam is it three and four that I have that are the three Ds, or is it four and five? Three is on Steam. They had it um, as a DS thing. Okay, okay. that's yeah. right. Yeah, I have three and four of that, and then five and six were the ones that I had that were like more like the mobile looking ports, and people hated the way they looked, even though I thought it looked fine. But it goes back to I didn't have six as a kid on Super Nintendo, so I have nothing to compare it to. I don't have that nostalgia for the sprites and stuff in it, you know. 
So when they yeah. I saw them all cleaned up, I'm like, well, I mean, they're a little bright, but I mean, I don't see a problem with them. And everybody else is like, these are the fucking worst things ever. <laughs> like they shit on my mom when they made these. I swear to God. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, your mom's into it, kid. <laughs> is that Cartman's mom? <laughs> oh goodness. Um. Eh, so yeah, we have been playing through some Final Fantasy VII. Uh, oh, uh, do you want to do first impressions on the releases we actually ended up playing for this game too? Like, break that out separately? Yeah, because we're all actually playing sep- di- slightly different versions of this game, even though it's kind of all the same version. It's weird. We'll have to talk about that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Um, who's playing the most classic version? I think that would be me, right? Because yeah. I'm just playing strict, strictly vanilla on the Switch. Like, I actually decided to buy this when I was on, a like, a trip to Louisville, and I wanted to start on Final Fantasy VII. So, I just went ahead and grabbed it on the Switch and installed it real quick and started playing it on there. And I'm using, obviously, no kinds of mods and just playing on a Nintendo again. Does the Switch version even have, like, achievements? No. Does it hook up to a Square Enix account? No. So, yours is, but you are playing the most vanilla possible yeah, version outside of getting it for, like... Outside of playing it for like a place on an actual PlayStation one or three and playing it like directly, you're doing like old school. So what what QL stuff does it add? You said there was like a speed up feature. Is that in the game or is that a Switch thing by itself? No, it's in the game. So luckily, if you push down like the um, right um, joystick, it will activate three times speed, which works in overworld map and battle. I don't like having it on in battle because then it moves too fast for me to think because the timer still runs in battle. Mm. So like if I've, I've had a couple issues with the game where it crashed. So the times I've used the three times speed the most is after the game had crashed to try to get back up to where I was like this has happened a few times now, which is pretty pain in the butt like i think it's happened to me four times now that the game's crashed so i've lost probably a total of like an hour and a half of gameplay yikes which is odd to me because i don't ever hear about games crashing on the switch i don't either it's really weird i think it has to be some kind of software issue rather than a hardware issue and i could see square being that kind of lazy enough to not go back and ever patch anything because it always happens at the same time like, and by that, I mean, it happens at the end of a battle, um, the victory music's playing, and I'm trying to get out of the, um, getting on my gill and items recovered from the battle. It crashes on the scene where it goes back from that to the, uh, overworld. It's weird. Yeah. And it's happened four times. It's always at that moment. I'm always like, ugh. Yeah, that would yeah, make that me would walk away. Angrily. Well, I, I did offer... Because I have that save editor. I did offer that if it fucks up enough that I will recreate your game for a, in yeah. a save file on PC and let you take over there. But yeah, It has happened in a little bit, so I'm hoping that maybe it's chilled, but I, I don't know what triggers it exactly. I just know where it triggers. So trying not to mash through the end of battles, because that's also when it's happened the most, is when the end of the battle and I'm just mashing A to get to the next screen quicker. So I'm trying to be a little bit more slow and methodical about leaving battle screens. I know that feeling. That, that's 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 one of those very hold up and be so the Pokemon gets caught type superstitious feelings. But if it isn't messing up on you that way, then yeah. stick with it. You know, I hold it. I held left. That's what it was for us. Just hold left. You do all these things different in Canada. I swear to God, 
How does the Jingle Bells song go? Jingle Bells, Batman Smells. How's the rest of it go for you? Robin laid a uh, egg is how I used to say it as a kid. <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> well, I'm just wondering um, which way the water spins my toilet when I flush. <laughs> that's that's australia you're thinking about adam yours goes the same way as ours adam yeah i didn't even think about that i'm gonna need a video with a fresh toilet nothing in it please <laughs> but flush it so i can watch that shit go down guide your picky way. Cool. <laughs> you're, you're right you're right if you want to piss in there fine just no logs <laughs> i'll do it man i'll t- okay I'll- a small log i'll just take Quick a video of myself it's better can. than bad it's good yeah <laughs> I'll just take a video of flushing a toilet, but using the selfie cam, like the fear, the rear facing one, so that way it's left to right reversed that way. Whoa, turdception! Pictured Paul's just making a face with a selfie cam, <laughs> just smile, like his big like, a Paul's face. Like if you're in our Discord, you've seen Paul's faces. <laughs> I think he posted one in out of context the other day. <laughs> Maybe and yeah, uh, that would be hilarious. Um, so, Pulse, I know you're not playing through the game again, but you've played it before. So, oh, well, what is that? That is Pulse some Pearler Beat art. That looks like Metallica's album Load, but in Pearl Beat form. Yeah, it doesn't look right when it's mirrored, but it's my face. Oh, uh, wow. Oh, is it? Yeah. I'll send a picture oh, afterwards. Cool. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Yeah, it's very psychedelic. I like that color scheme a lot. Bro, sidebars okay, are what we do. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Absolutely. This, we, we're always distracted or pulling up something goofy. That's one of the reasons we have hand signs. Ooh, piece um, of candy? Ooh, piece of candy? Piece okay. of, ooh, piece of candy. <laughs> so, William, so, talk about the version you're yeah. playing, sir. So, I'm playing the default Steam install, which... Uh, so, I'm playing the default Steam install. Uh, one of the main uh, things I thought was weird about it was when you first load it up, it's like, okay, register a Square Enix account. And I'm like, why the hell do I need a Square Enix account to play... A, offline game but i still did it and apparently it's a good thing to have because it enables you get are you guys ready for this cloud saving hey. oh my god they did it they, they did it <laughs> the sons of a bitch did it the son of a bitch did it <laughs> but um so uh i thought that was kind of neat uh one of the things i thought was really interesting uh and and Oh, sorry, I'm stalling. Um, uh, one of the things I thought was really interesting about the way the game looks on this install is uh, it kind of looks like uh, if you've ever played a game on a PlayStation 1 or PlayStation 2 emulator, one of the systems that didn't have HD output, and so they they were comfortable rendering the backgrounds in like the system's native resolution, and then the 3D graphics are rendered on top of them. So when you play it in an emulator, the 3D graphics tend to be upscaled, but the original backgrounds are the same, like, pixelated style. Yeah. And so because of that, like, the uh, the character models are fully whatever system resolution you're running the game at. So, you know, they'll be ballooned up to 1080p. But there isn't a lot of uh, detail that's been added to the character models either. Like, as far as I can tell, like, the only change that they've made, really, and I'm not sure if it was a great idea, is that the non-combat models, they've added, like, a little mouth that never moves to the characters. Because, like, on the PlayStation 1, the characters were just, like, the non-combat models were just, like, their hair, their costumes, and big old eyes. They added a little mouth to some of them. And it's funny because some of them, like, Jessie always just looks like she's going, like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think they did that on the Switch version. 
Really? I don't think so. I'll have to send some screenshots, but I'm fairly certain the Switch version does not have mouths on the character models, which does make yours look a little bit sillier than mine. Okay, so when I sent that picture, it did look strange to you then? Yes. Okay, so we all have different, slightly different looking games. So, Nate, on the Switch version, does it also have, like, did they did they try to do anything to upscale the backgrounds, or is it, like, pixelated backgrounds, crisp characters models? Honestly, I don't even think the character models look that much more crisp, but I might just be misremembering, because we have this issue a lot looking back at older games. I might be misremembering what the character models look like, but I don't feel like it looks especially crisp on the Switch. Oh, I don't mean that they've changed anything with the model. I mean, they're just they're upscaling the resolution so the models are in, like, 3D at your native res and the background's written like lower. Oh, yeah, I still like that then, yeah. Okay. But like, it looks really weird on some of the screens too. Like, there's like, especially when there's like an FMV thing playing behind the 3D characters. Like, there's a scene or fairly on in the Nibbleheim ba- uh, back, back, what's the word I'm looking for? Back, flashback. Yeah. <laughs> in the Nibble- I couldn't remember the, fl- I was like, the backhoe, the backstop, the backdrop, the belly to back suplex okay so the the, the nibbleheim flashback there's a scene where like there's a bridge that collapses and the characters are, like kind of hanging on to it and they look absolutely fucking ridiculous the way they're barely animated while the 3d is moving around and trying to pan them and stuff yeah. but i also think that that's what they should have done anyway because like a lot of re-releases we've played have like They've tried to use like a upscale, like a super 2x psi type filter to upscale backgrounds and stuff and just or blurred the hell out of everything. And yeah. I feel like either of those would have been much worse than just going with the chunky pixels. So like, I'm glad that they, I think they did it the best they could if they didn't have access to the original renders. But yeah. there's just a couple, oh, go ahead. I was saying that sounds like what Dalton was talking about with Final Fantasy VIII as well, how they had not really been able to update the backgrounds because of similar issues where those were static images. And yeah. you can tell that that's what they used in Seven as well. And so those images would be really hard to upscale something that was designed to be in that era. Yeah, but sometimes it does give a funny little, what I like to call the Scooby-Doo door effect, where you know how in Scooby-Doo you can see, like, one of the doors is painted slightly different because that's the one that's actually going to open compared to the ones that are actually in the background. So, when you're in the the derelict train yard, sorry, I had an internet hiccup. You're good. You're good. Okay. Um, uh, So, when you're in the uh, derelict train graveyard, there's, like, uh, most of the trains are blurry and 200 or 320 by 200 or whatever the resolution is. And there's a couple of them that are suspiciously sharp and you're like, oh, that's an interactable object. Yeah. I didn't even think about the graphic differences being the reason that that was the case. Oh man, yeah. that would have made the game a little bit more of a pain in the ass if it had not been done like that because it would have been harder <laughs> to tell what was able to be interacted with or not. I didn't even think about that being the reason. Good catch. <laughs> I guess I overthink the technical aspects of stuff like this, especially when it's uh, letting the game being played on modern systems without remaking and remastering stuff. So, like, that, that's one of the things I thought was interesting about the 2D and 3D stuff. But, like, aside from that, most of the game looks really good. It's just occasionally things like the Nibelheim Bridge just had, like, awful green screen vibes. Yeah. It's like they're recording a movie and Cloud's just acting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but for the most part, right I mean... Place. Uh, the, the, I still like like seeing these 3D images and stuff. I'm like always looking back. I'm like, this is still impressive for back in the day. You know, I can still see why this was blowing people's minds. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I really enjoy the pre-rendered background look. Mm. It's just something I've always liked. That's why I really like the uh, Pillars Pillars of Eternity games because those are pre-rendered background stuff too. 
feel like it's a very strongly nostalgic look that I'm glad that its games still work on, even though they do look a little weird with the different backgrounds. But like, you know, stuff like you seeing like Resident Evil played an emulator mm-hmm. or stuff has a similar vibe. Yeah. Um, but what about you, Don? I understand that you're not just playing the vanilla experience. You've gone and uh, jacked up some of the polygons a little bit. So yeah. what you want to talk about? I see some of your screens and I'm like, damn. I think it was uh, Kularian in the uh, the JRPG Report Discord was like, tis tis, can't even play it and it's old blocky goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so I am using mods. Um, and you can find, if you have the Steam version of Final Fantasy VII, um, you can find these mods for free. Um, the mod manager is called Seventh Heaven, which makes sense. And basically, the way it works is like you put in the like there are these catalogs that they have of mods on the uh, the Quim forum. And it's like Q H I M M. There's supposed to be a U in there. It bothers me that there's not, but it, it's K- Kim or Quim, whatever. It doesn't matter. Kim. You put in th- their modding community. There's like a url-esque thing and then this mod manager will pull from that so for example i'm running a mod that upscales all of the cutscenes and makes them 60 frames a second which there is a huge difference in watching those cutscenes and they move at 60 frames i'm just like holy shit that's way smoother way smoother than it was on the playstation back in the day um but then i have other mods um like just to name them uh, i have one that upgrades the backgrounds um, one yeah. that makes the battle models look better, the battle textures, field models, field textures, um, some gameplay tweaks, uh, the media. I feel like oh, go ahead. The, the most striking thing in your screenshots is one, that it's always using an upgraded version of the battle model instead of having the separate out of uh, combat models. So it's always got the fully realistic proportions and all of that. Like when yeah. you're, even when you're sending like uh, dialogue screens, it's still like regular shaped head, tall people instead of, you know, the fun chibi puppets that the original game had. And also those backgrounds, some of those look really cool and painterly. Like they don't just look like someone neural upscaled stuff. They look like someone hand painted over a lot of it. And a lot of them look incredible. Yeah. It's, it's been really nice to see like playing through. Cause I can remember what it looked like back in the day. And now playing through like this, I'm like, this is what like the PS4 version should have looked like instead of just upscaling the little chibis and stuff. You know what I mean? The fact that modders can go in and do this. Um, now, I do want to say, uh, for like for the field models, which are what we're talking about, um, there are different styles that you can use. Like for for Aerith, for example, there's uh, seven different styles, seven different modders style, right, that are pulled from this catalog. Um, I go with the kind, it's called Nino style for all my characters, and I mean, you guys see why. They look really good, right? Mm. Um, some of the other ones, like, they did, you know, they made a mod. Good for you. <laughs> like... Some of them look rough, but like Nino style is definitely the one that I've found that's really good. There's also like a guy who makes uh, some of the upgraded like items, like potions and materials look better when they're out in the world. And his name is Grim. It's not the Grim we know, <laughs> but I think about the Grim we know every time. Nice. Uh, yeah, and I highly recommend if you get the chance, audience, that check out the Discord. Me and Dalton have both been posting screenshots of our experience playing through the game in there, and you can really see the difference, at least between his modded version and the Switch version. So you can definitely see there's improvements in the Switch version over the original PlayStation, but the mods that Dalton has running just make the game look so much crazier. And I've tried to catch some similar moments in the game that he's captured, and you can just look at those two screenshots side by side and you're like, yeah, the mods are doing work here. 
And it's just a, you know, it's a labor of love for people who love the game because they don't get anything out of it. There's no monetary compensation mm-hmm. for them making the game look better. They just do it because they love that game. And that was one thing that worried about worried me about coming into this game. Like before we get into, you know, what we think about the story and things that we've played so far, um, was that th- this is like the Final Fantasy game. This and six are the ones that I feel like are the ones that if you say anything negative about them, people are going to rip your dick off and shove it down your throat, right? And I'm playing through both those games right now. <laughs> so, but, the, you know, I went into this thinking like, man, I remember 8 being so much better than this. And like, uh, I got to play, we got to play through 7. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But honestly, so far, and, you know, I, maybe the mods are helping with me uh, as far as looks go and things like that. But, I'm enjoying it. It's it's not it's not the uh, the game that I remember it being, and I think that you guys have had similar sentiments so far. Yeah, I've spent like the last ten years just talking mad shit about this game, <laughs> talking about how much it's like my least favorite Final Fantasy, other than like the original like Final Fantasy two. <laughs> but I'm actually reluctant to say this, but I've been enjoying the game for the most part. It still has things about it that I don't like. But I can't say I hate it anymore. <laughs> I would say that it's easy to call Final Fantasy VII overrated. But that's only because to be as good as people say it is, it would have to be literally oxygen. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. What about you, Paul? Like going back to it, the last time you went back and played it, like does it hold up in your mind? Yeah, I think so. Like when I was playing it in high school, I mentioned I was going through and playing everything with a fact trying to unlock everything i could trying to make sure to get every material everything i could check off the list and i just like sunk hours into it and it it has a counter that when it hits past 99 hours like 99 99 it'll turn yellow and then so it starts over again so you can spend see you can spend over like 100 hours at it and then it basically stops at 200 hours because it just goes stops and yeah I I would say probably, I think I'd say about 300 hours of just grinding and farming materia and doubling and like just mastering materia and stuff like that. I went nuts with it. So when I played through the last time, two, maybe three years ago, it was just uh, straight for the story. I said, I don't care if I have trouble on the bosses. I'm, I just want to enjoy the story. And like it gets really wonky especially like near the end of the second disc. So I was like, okay, I just want to like a refresher. And when, when I got that refresher, I was like, okay, now this is clearer in my head. I, I really enjoy this. And I just kind of went on like a, just a deep lore dive that I keep on mentioning. I just, I always wanted to go see what else, uh, what I might've missed along the way. So that's, that's what I got. What got me into it. Do I want to play the remake? No, I don't really care. I like the original, and I think it's got its flaws, like any any game does, modern or old. But that's part of the charm for me, and the polish of the new stuff doesn't appeal to me. So, like, I just really like. I think some of the uh, the gaps and stuff, and the mistakes, and like just the weirdness. You know, like it. Some some things might have not been localized well, or you know, just not thought out well. I think it still just adds to the whole character of it for me. Yeah. You bring up like translation and I adore things that are mistranslated. I was so bummed out when I got to the section in Midgar where there was a guy that was 
the sick guy, right? This and guy, original, like, sick. This guy are sick. In my version, they had retranslated it to this guy is sick. And it was one of the most disappointing moments of my life. <laughs> That's like taking out you spoony bard from four. Right? Like, they know better at I, this point. I do love that no matter how often they retranslate it, they do keep that line and they tend <laughs> to keep in Garland will knock you all down. Although I think they probably didn't do that with the new origin game. Never know. Gotta play. <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm not going to <laughs> yeah, play Let's Go either. Kill Chaos. Yeah. <laughs> Until Dalton makes it his host pick. I mean, I, okay, I'll eventually play it. <laughs> we'll be 80. Yeah, I, I won't remember say, who Chaos is. It would be a while before that would become enough of my pick. But um, I do want to... probably like the 20th Square Enix game for now we'll play. <laughs> if not more. <laughs> we'll play Chrono Cross before that, trust me. And that's not wow, a, and that's not that's not a hate on Chrono Cross. I actually really want to play that game. Just I'm sure deeply curious. <laughs> but uh, Paul, since you brought it up, I'll go ahead and touch on remake real quick before we dive any further. So remake, I just played the beginning uh, reactor segment. I basically played what I played on that demo a hundred times back in the day. I played <laughs> in remake, right? Um, it looks incredible. It seems like the story is going to be really good. The action combat throws me off. Like, it's kind of like 15, but kind of different. So, like, it was different enough that it was weird for me to get used to it. I don't know how I feel about the combat. But it may end up being one of those situations like we did with uh, Plague's Tale, Nate. Where, like, I'm interested in the story because I know it's different than the original. So, I might watch somebody play through it on YouTube or something. Yeah. Instead of dropping uh, the 70 bucks to play the, the entire game or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense to me. I mean, like, there are games like that, and I'm glad we can recognize that as we play video games now that we want to know the story, but the gameplay just does not work for us. Like, Plague Tale is a really good example of that. Like, like you said, once that sequel drops, I wouldn't mind watching, like, maybe a Twitch streamer play through it or a YouTube long play of it, but I don't want to yeah. play it. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, I'll watch it, but yeah, I don't, I don't want to play it. And I think that'd be a fun Patreon topic or something at some point is games that you absolutely must experience versus games that you are glad you experience other than playing them. Because, like, I feel like I wouldn't have got anything close to as much out of Yakuza 0 if I didn't feel myself becoming Kiryu, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Well, then, 7. It starts off like, not to, we're not, we're not going to go beat by beat, Excuse me. but that opening section is just so like, boom, let's go. You know what I mean? It's like Cloud does his cool little hop out, and then you fight. You do that opening fight, and Barrett's just like, "Come on, expletive!" <laughs> yeah. I do appreciate how the game does like immediately drop you into action in that first part of the game, but right after that, I do feel like Midgar drags. Yeah, yeah. you're not wrong. Midgar, Midgar is interesting because it's the first seven you would say maybe seven hours of the game does seem about right six six seven hours i think it's a little bit less than that but it feels that long yeah the the thing is it's it's extremely dense and some of it is extremely tense too but there's also like so many things happen in midgar like there's like i remembered three of them i forgot there were like five different major scenes yeah like when i go back to it uh the second time when i was playing through it i was dreading climbing that wall yeah. I was like, no, I don't want to do this. I just want to like get to the tower. Let's go. <laughs> you know, yeah. small. So, I think it's going to be one of my first gripes with Final Fantasy VII is there's a lot of non-RPG element things that it makes you do that are not super fun. 
Push-ups. Yeah. Or no, was it push-up? No, squats. 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 Yeah. God damn it. That was the one fucking thing that I didn't get perfect on. I got the best dress. I got the cologne. <laughs> I got all of that shit. I go in there and do the squat thing. They gave me the fucking stupid, <laughs> shitty, dirty wig or whatever. See, I did not mind doing those fetch quests, but when it came to like the squats, that was miserable. When it came to some of the overall, not overall, but like Midgar map movement, I was kind of miserable. I was like, you got to time this jump. This thing's swinging your way and you got to jump at just the right Yeah, that was exactly. It took me so many times. Dude, and even uh, it might be before that or a little bit after that, that fucking section where you have everybody has to hit the button at the same time. Press the button at the same time. Yeah. What was the point of that? Like, Yeah. There, yeah, there's no visual cue. Everyone like pulls their arm up really far and then bangs down on it. But when you press the button, Cloud does the same thing. So you can't just time it watching the other guys. Yeah. It's there's so many things where it's like they kind of wanted to add a little gameplay but didn't actually think of uh an actual gameplay element. Then it's like there there are mini games in here that are actually mini games. But there's stuff like that or getting a dolphin to boost you up a tower that's just like just lining something up, and if you fail, oh there's no consequences other than wasting your time. I yeah, think this game of, oh, sorry. was not very like cognizant of the player's time at times. They just wanted to artificially inflate how long the game was in places. That's my opinion on the matter. I think well, my guess is. Oh, go ahead, Paul. You were you were going to say something a line ago. Sorry, okay, I'll, I'll cool. respond in eight in a minute. Uh, yeah, no, you go. I, I'm totally agreeing with that. Like it, it's just so drags on the uh, the jumping on the vines kind of thing and the, the dolphin thing. But at the same time, with all the other mini games that were more mini games, I think yeah. that's what really brought it forward for a lot of like the like the, I was gonna say like pop culture is more of like the broader audience because it was not just turn-based combat and cool cutscenes. They had little things that made it different from everything else before it, and they did a lot of innovation, and not just in making it 3D and making, like, the cool characters and stuff like that, and I think that's part of it, Is but there's definitely a lot of misses along the way, and yeah. goddamn those vines. All I'm saying is they could have used a little bit of editing. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I think I just wanna, my opinion is... Oh, go ahead. Uh, no, I just want to quickly point out, William, and I'll, and I'll let you go. Uh, huh. Beyonce had the greatest album of all time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Son of a bitch. Uh, I just want to point out that remember that Square and by proxy Square Enix is the company that in Final Fantasy 11 there was a boss that took 20 hours to beat with a full raid party. So yeah. they don't give a fuck about your time. Okay, continue. <laughs> yeah. Well, so my theory about all of this is that I feel like they added non-RPG element gameplay for verisimilitude to make you feel like you're cloud, to make you feel like you're doing stuff yourself. And in terms of things like the motorcycle chase, where I don't think that one aged well, but I see what they were going for. Mm-hmm. And I remember it being cool as hell in the PlayStation period. That that stuff absolutely works. I know there's stuff I'm going to get to in Golden Saucer that I'm going to probably like more. I'm hoping I'm going to like more. There's other mini game stuff I'm really looking forward to. It's the little things where it's just like, the CPR thing or something where it's like, I don't think y'all thought this through. And it's like catching fishes in final fantasy six, where it's a game that feels like they've done such a bad job explaining it that I don't feel like there are going to be any consequences. Yeah. The first time I had to catch those fish, I'm like, am I doing it right? Why do I have to keep going through this? Like, there's no way like, uh, is this correct? You know, (laughs) there's no way to actually tell you, okay, you're doing it right. Or you're doing it wrong. 
Yeah, yeah I mean, I think seven, six and seven are both transitional games between the earlier ones and the later ones. I feel like. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people don't think of, seven, of six that way. I think a lot of people think of six as kind of the pinnacle of the two D games, but I kind of think of it as the three D game that came before the three D games. Whereas it has a lot of things in common with those, including all the characters being fairly flatly similar in terms of abilities, except for one special mechanic and can basically just be equipped to do different things. You know, there's a lot less specialization. There's a lot more mini game based things a lot more world building in that regard and so i feel like seven is kind of an extension of six that I, I didn't even think of the fish thing until i just said it but like i feel like that's kind of a thing but yeah we'll get into better mini games and i'm really looking forward to that but my god stuff like jumping on vines it is interesting <laughs> though how like those two like what you called transitional final fantasy games are two of the most well-regarded wins of all time seven and six because, yeah. like, you know, you're sitting here viewing them as transitional, and these are the ones that people keep going back to over and over, saying they're the two greatest Final Fantasies ever made. Yeah. Well, perhaps it's because what I'm thinking of as a transition from one era to another, people think of as the best of both worlds, you know, the heart of the classics with the style of the modern or whatever you'd say. That's fair. Something I was just thinking about, or really it just came to me, that you, know, you realize there's been twice now in Final Fantasy history where... They released a game that people were just kind of like, meh, and they just went, fuck it, we're going back to fantasy. Okay, with eight, eight didn't work out the way they wanted to, so they went, fuck it, we're going back to fantasy with nine. And then they slowly went back to like cyberpunk, not cyberpunk, but like steampunk type style fantasy. And then 15, people had their mixed feelings and they were like, you know what, fuck it, we're going back to fantasy. The next one's going to be fantasy based. (laughs) So we can just expect that. 17, 18, 19, slowly going to get back to steampunk. And then they're going to be like, fuck it. Final Fantasy 23, we're going back to fantasy. <laughs> Final Fantasy has such a weird setting in general because every one of the games is in a weird place where it's kind of fantasy, kind of cyberpunk, kind of steampunk, kind of everything. Six and seven, especially, where you got people with swords, again, people with guns. You got like, you know, very steampunky airships and tools and all of that where there's just like spaceships and stuff you know like it's a weird like kind of out of time universe that kind of pulls itself forward by force of charisma and you got to respect that in its setting you know i think that's what throws me off a lot too about seven is how much uh you know it's got the steampunk thing even though like they kind of make it look all nuclear with the mako or mako mako is how i always said but as soon as you get out of Midgar, boom, we've gone back to fantasy. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's just, and that's what I like. The game really starts for me there. And like, mm-hmm. as soon as you get out on the world map, I'm like, okay, cool. And every other town is like a town in a Final Fantasy game. And I'm like, this is fucking cool. So that's, I like, I, it's, it was brave of them to try that, I think, because. They, I mean, they obviously had some of like the higher tech kind of thing, but still kind of steampunk, and like six especially. And this, I mean, anytime there's a mention of an airship, which is what like second one on basically, or the third first one, one had on. an airship. Oh yeah, there you go. So I mean, like there's always these steampunk elements, but they kind of went even more hardcore. They made it like you know, like a like a metaphor or analogy for you know nuclear power. You know, this is bad mm-hmm. kind of deal, and. All of a sudden, it just drops off the face of the earth, you know, and it's like, okay, the rest of the world, it's nothing like that, you know, so. It's actually. It's kind of cool. you mentioned, that's a really cool, like, way that Shinra Corporation kind of shows that it's like, 
different and kind of evil and bad when you're in the rest of the world because you drop out of that cyberpunk dystopia it's blade runner ass mm-hmm. slum that you start off in the rest of the world looks like a nice little fantasy land until shinra comes riding up with their helicopters and machine guns and shit and all of a sudden you're like oh there's the bastards that are ruining everything yeah like i never really thought of it that way but that's probably a really intended part of the game's like construction and setting and symbolism that's really dope that you pointed that out yeah i mean like you literally walk out of the shadow of midgar and the light turns back on yeah you don't see like the sunlight because you're under the plates kind of deal and then all of a sudden you're walking around there's grass there's trees you know there's mountains and rivers it's it's beautiful and then the next step is like crap we got to go to this reactor crap we got to go to this reactor and they're always the same experience where it just goes from beauty to just like desolation you know all these post-apocalyptic kind of things because it's like oh yeah this basically is like a nuclear meltdown kind of area and i think that's what i really like about it is because they do that so well because i hate i hate going to the reactors but at the same time i'm like you know you get rewarded for getting out of there because this is the world you're trying to save so it makes you more invested in it i want to point something out um I, i i'm i'm happy to hear you say mako Thank you. Uh, when I <laughs> when I was playing through that beginning section of Final Fantasy Remake and Barrett said Mako, I was like, no, no, this is Titus all over again. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it wasn't Mako. I always have thought it was Mako Energy. I, yeah, I've always called it Mako, and yeah. he calls it Mako. Mako the shark, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, what? No, Barrett. <laughs> but also they made him sound like, yeah. <laughs> Barrett. Ah, so I mean. Oh, real quick, there's a mod. Uh, I, I don't use it, but for the in the mod list, there's a mod called the Barrett mod, and it makes everyone Barrett. <laughs> <laughs> Every NPC in the game gets turned into Barrett. You know? So it's just yes. expletive, expletive. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I was thinking about what you said too, to uh, polish Amira. I mean, Canada Dalton, that, you know, you wonder why everybody stays in Midgar when it is so bleak and so desolate, but it's because we've all been convinced that using this Mako energy, they have an abundance of resources, the only way of life. But then you leave the big city and see how the rest of the world works, and it just changes your perspective. And that kind of actually made me appreciate the way it starts to the way it goes a little bit more, because I was like, man, Midgar just sucks. Yeah, Midgar sucks intentionally. That's an yeah. intentional thing they did. And I don't think that that fully clicked with me until this moment. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, makes a lot of <laughs> sense. Pulse for the 20 insight, baby. I've seen, like, many people just, like, arguing. Not arguing, but, like, you know, debating and stating their the comparisons and things, you know, it's like, oh, this is nuclear power. This is oil and gas. This is, you know, consumerism. This is some, you know, random politics thing that I don't understand. <laughs> like, they always have these kind of lines drawn to them. And, like, you can turn it into whatever you want. You can, mm-hmm. you can make an argument for whatever you want. But, uh, like, it's so straight-laced. It's so straight-cut. Like, you can just, you know, it, it's, it's, it's so, I don't even know how to put it in words, really. It's just so straightforward that it works you know like you know this is bad uh no matter what they do if they keep this up this is bad you know it's you got to save it so in that same vein there's one section in midgar where the sun shines through and that's in Aerith's little spot and she has flowers growing there and i think that's supposed to represent like 
the uh, like a light, a beam of hope, almost. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Like that. Those flowers are the hope of the people in Midgar, and then unfortunately during disc one which like i said we're not going to run through it piece by piece so we can just bring this up uh shinra are a bunch of douchebags and they collapse that motherfucker in on itself and kill a bunch of people and yeah it's that's rough that's it's a, it's a it's a really sad scene in it but it really hammers home that shinra is just this corporation that they are all about their mo they don't give a fuck about the actual people yeah and then what do they do they blame it on avalanche you know avalanche is who you're part of and you're joined yep. in. So it's like, oh man, like they're all of a sudden they're just throwing the wrench into everything. So it's just, they really went out of the way. All the games up to this point in the Final Fantasy series are pretty much linear, you know, like four and six, the ones that I play the most. And that's what I like about them the most is that they're so linear. But these ones, there's a lot more back and forth. There's a lot more fill in the blanks, you know, little, those little flashbacks and stuff that make no sense and then, until you get further into the game. And, I think it's kind of amazing how well they did that, considering they never really did that before, not to this extent. So, One thing I've noticed, though, about Final Fantasy VII is how linear it actually does feel now going through the game. Like, there's definitely that set intended path for you to go down. Um, I know there's things you can do outside of the main quests and everything, but, like, it does a pretty good job of leading you exactly where you're supposed to go. And the map itself doesn't feel like you have a lot of options on where to go other than to the next location. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're just referring to the difference between linearity and the storytelling time versus linearity in the actual gameplay space, where it gives you kind of the illusion of choice and the feeling that you have choices, but you also kind of are really pulled to the next location. Yeah. Like I think yeah. they they nailed it at this point. I mean, when whenever you get an airship in the game, boom, it opens mm-hmm. up. And what's the first thing you want to do? I want to explore. And I think this one, it nailed it because it's like, I want to explore this world because I want to see what else it has to offer. It's not, I want to see what I can find or treasures for me. I was always like, what else is going on? You know, so can I get ahead? And that's what you kind of look for, at least when I was first playing through this in high school. Like, I want to see it. Do, do I get like a cool Esper or do I get a cool summon over here or Materia over here? Esper. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> nice. So, uh, so you I like Guardian Force. <laughs> God, Jinx. No. No. Um, well, you know, it's Adolon. Adolon? Adolon? The thing I always hear that people complain about with <clears throat> Final Fantasy Thirteen is that it's like you're running down a hallway throughout the whole game, right? But then I think to myself, Dude, people, lo- me included, love Final Fantasy X, and most of that linear. game is running down a hallway. So I, <laughs> I just, I don't know. People, it's like people are weird, but like I think that's that's the other kind of linearity. Like that's what I first when I first like thought y'all were talking about, but then Willie just summed it up like mm-hmm. what y'all were talking about, and I'm on more of a page now. But that's what I was thinking when we first brought that up. I was like, yeah, there are there are some linear. Final Fantasy games, but complete different opinions on them, though. <laughs> yeah. But 10, I mean, 10 is an interesting point to bring up because I remember the controversy at the time was that the game was so linear, it doesn't even have a true mechanical overworld, which every game up to that point in the series has had. Yeah. And some people hated that about it. Yeah. Like, man. you never break out into an overworld map. You're always moving from place to place or quick traveling. Yeah. My, my argument to that is it had Blitzball. <laughs> it did have Blitzball. Jet Shot. It's no triple triad. Two Japanese metal song. Sung in English. Oh, other world. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. That, that last, that final boss music sounds like Rammstein. 
<laughs> yeah. It's like Japanese Ramstein cover band <laughs> or tribute band. Um, were there any particular moments besides the big moment that I'm sure we'll talk about at the end because that's the cap of the disc? But are there any moments that like jumped out to you that you either didn't remember or you or you did remember? You just find them particularly impactful. I've got a couple that I actually wanted to bring up. The first is I've remembered the uh, Midgard Tower sequence being really long and stressful. I was wondering why I remembered that, and I got back to it. It's not so much that it's long, it's that it's very stressful, because once you get to level 60 in the building, everything is either little puzzle vignettes or boss battles. Like, it is constantly throwing shit at you for the first time that you haven't seen, don't know what to expect. It changes your party composition, like, four times. It gives you, like, six boss fights, and it's constantly keeping you off your feet feeling, which I think worked in a really way, but it was interestingly stressful, you know? Yeah, that is very fair. I hate to go to a different direction, but mechanically, what they did in that section differently than they did in the rest of the game is like they made it easy to remove materia from characters yes. when you switch between characters later on in the game it i wish there was just a button to remove all materia from a character so that i could easily swap up my party composition on the overworld without having to go through every materia and removing it from a character that is one of my big gripes is the ui in this game i thought there is a remove all button it's just really weird is there i thought there was like it's almost like I, below I, kind of deal I don't think there's a button that I think was what Nathan really wants, which is if you could go to the PHS and hit a button to undress everyone that isn't in your party, that would be, like, super helpful. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Swapping material is a pain in the butt. And that's one of the reasons I tend to stick with the party that I have. Um, but I've had to go and uh, re- recently was doing some uh, grinding, and I was just swapping party characters and going around and you know leveling everybody up. But I'll bring that up in a second because I do want to talk about party members and stuff. But yeah, so, yeah I didn't absolutely. mean to interject there, but like, it just came into my brain and I had to get it out. <laughs> so, Willie, if you want that to go back, that was super natural. No, that was actually a superly, a super good natural like point that like I have been having that exact same feeling that that moment really lets you just switch stuff up. But I thought that was it was a, it was a cool sequence, and I thought it was it did a good job because I feel like in this kind of game, like after I got out of there, I was kind of conscientious of the fact that I can put the controller down at any point in time and walk away in the middle of a dialogue and nothing bad will happen to me. But hold, during that sequence, I was kind of like shaking my leg the whole time, like, okay, there's a lot going on here. I don't want to screw up. Like it felt high stakes in a, in a way that I'm surprised was still effective 20 years later. Um, I guess, if, does anyone else have one they want to bring up? Because I have a couple others, so I didn't want to go I, uh, bang, bang, bang. Y'all had other ones? Anything I have one, with... but go ahead, Paul. All right, I was going to say, anything to do with Nibelheim I was my favorite. Mm. This It was just for me. Like I, People were like, I hate Cloud. He's like, nah, 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 nah. I always hear people complaining about Cloud, even though like I always hear people saying how much they love seven it's like how do you love seven so much and hate cloud <laughs> so i just well, i like the characters care. especially yeah. there's two i really think are weirdly misinterpreted yeah i really like cloud but i mean it gets what i like into them is much later into the actual game too like well later on when they start explaining it so um but Nibelheim is actually what I wanted to bring up, too, because I wanted to say that the first Nibelheim flashback happened so much earlier than I remembered it happened. Yes, yeah, it does. Like, I, I really thought that was a towards the end of disc one thing where you find out what's going, kind of what Sephiroth did, where, why your party kind of know each other a little bit, some of them. Like, it, 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 that's literally the first place you go after Midgar. It, it, you have that flashback all the way in Calm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I do want to say, uh, just from like knowing things that I know, uh, I mean, obviously, <clears throat> this is over 20 years old now, right? Yeah. So, like, I feel like we can have a spoiler chunk because right now we've actually done a fantastic job of not spoiling anything. So, I think we may yeah. want to put a spoiler chunk towards the end of the disc chat, like once we finish talking about the characters and stuff. Okay, yeah, that's fine. I'll make because, a Because I honestly think we're, we're not going beat by beat. We're talking very much about the mechanics and the feel of the game so far. And, like, I, I think that also when we get later into this game, the plot gets a lot less dense, like, as it answers questions it's set up before. So I don't think telling the plot in, like, a linear direction is as good of an idea because that's kind of not how the game does it either. Yeah. I can, the thing that sucks is I can point to areas of the game that I did not like that I found very frustrating and not fun to play in more than I can yeah. come up with the game points that I really liked a lot. Uh, one that really jumps out to me as a place that I really just do not like to be is the gold saucer. I hate everything about the gold saucer. I was going to say, is he going to say Junin? Because Junin's that for me. Oh, uh, Junin's not great, but I hate the gold saucer with a passion. Like, and it probably comes back to childhood memories of spending way too long in the gold saucer trying to get, I think it's 34, 134th scale soldiers <laughs> and trying to unlock Sephiroth as a playable character by doing that. Thanks, internet. Um, <laughs> not internet. It was specifically one of your dipshit friends and I know who it is by name. <laughs> so, like, that was really frustrating. And I just don't like anything about the gold saucer anymore. So, like, I just do the bare minimum in the gold saucer to progress of the game afterwards um yeah no i can get behind that completely i spent a lot more time in the arena than i'd like to admit uh see i have no desire to breed chocobos or do the battle arena or i did that that. i did that oh man full disclosure full disclosure uh once i have the ability to go and get a chocobo stable i'm gonna go buy one and I'm going to use that goddamn save editor and give myself a golden chocobo so do I can get Knights of the Nine. Because I just, I've never seen it. It's like, I want to see it. You know what I mean? But dude, I do not want to spend the next week of the two weeks that we have breeding chocobos. It's just not fun. It's not a very fun mechanic. Like, maybe if you had the extra time and you were a teenager and it was summer vacation, mm-hmm. sure. But I'm a full grown adult with adult responsibilities. I don't need to do that anymore. Yeah. For me, it's going to come down to if I end up like when we got towards the end of Yakuza and I had this 40 hour push that I played in five days. Like if I do something similar to that, there's a lot of things I want to get done in the game, including I want to fight the weapons and I want to do the Chocobo thing again. Because I remember it not being as bad as y'all were saying. Like I remember it taking a long time, but I remember it being like five hours, not a week. <laughs> yeah, I could be wrong, but I know that you're already hating on the gold saucer, so maybe because you had to go back there a lot, you're not exactly fond of it. And there was some RNG in the breeding and all that, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or at least a lot of guide-looking. Uh, yeah, it's just like one like, of the things where, like, in Sonic Adventure games, I know people love the Chow Garden in those games, but, like, I can't get into it now. Like, I like the Sonic Adventure video games, but I but didn't play them growing up, and I just can't spend the time on Chow Garden stuff now. <laughs> Which was so weird to me because, like, I'm so used to people talking about that as, like, their favorite part of the game that when you start playing Sonic Adventure, I'm like, oh, I can't wait till Nate starts telling me about what Chow Garden is like. And I never heard him mention it once. <laughs> Paul, only you will be able to relate to this. But Final Fantasy XIV's Gold Saucer spoiled me because when I went into Final Fantasy VII's, I was like, oh, man, this is nothing like the Final Fantasy XIV Gold Saucer. <laughs> I never even made it into Gold Saucer in 14. You did? Oh, God no. damn it. God damn it, Paul. I don't even know where it was. <laughs> it was out in the middle of a desert. That <laughs> yeah. makes sense. That that tracks. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, 
the impactful moment to me, other than the one that we'll talk about in a little bit, um, that everyone knows is coming. We're just going to make you wait for it, like an edging session. Um, <laughs> Very but, sharp. So edge. I knew Red Thirteen's name already. So like when he gave me the opportunity to name him, I named him Nanaki. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> I did that on my second time. I played through the game too. It's like, dude, I'm not going to call you Red Thirteen if that's what that asshole named you. Right. <laughs> Why? Here's my question. Why did he let you? Like, come on, Nanaki. Why did you let us call you this the whole time? When you had a name, you could have just told us, you yeah. prick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I don't think, but he mentioned, I don't think he really considered y'all friends so much as, okay, we're getting out of there. He even says, this name has no meaning to me. Let us go. Yeah, but like, he had time to develop the relationship. At some point during their travels he together, he should have said something. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I haven't reached cause I'm way behind on the gameplay. I mean, I'm going to get caught up on yeah. but I had, I had a rough couple weeks. I didn't really talk about it too much, but like, I, that that's such a silly twist because, and it's not even the only one of those in the series. Cause like freaking, uh, when you get to rename the princess in nine, I was like, okay, well your name's still Garnet idiot. Shouldn't have had a name stupid. <laughs> that's right, funny. Like, uh, Frog equals Glenn. I want you to call me Knife Edge Cool Chops. No, you're, you're Garnet. Sorry, <laughs> sticking with Garnet. But uh, the moment in Cosmo Canyon, though, like when Nanaki, who has gone his entire life thinking that his father was a coward mm-hmm. and didn't, you know, didn't like ran away during the village, and in that very final scene when he gets to see that his father actually died protecting the village, and then. Uh, he does the howl or whatever and then the tears start coming out so it's like his dad's a living statue or something i didn't quite understand that but still i was like oh that's that's so touching yeah cosmo canyon was definitely now that you mention it one of my favorite parts of what i've played so far as far as discos um another part i guess we're talking about like parts that really stand out to us and i know that willie you haven't quite gotten here yet but you probably remember i remember yeah was i really really enjoyed the segment in the Temple of the Ancients, where you're kind of in there, it looks like an M.C. Escher painting. You're going through all these staircases trying to get to the next yeah, part. I really trippy. enjoyed that entire sequence. Yeah. Yeah, it was, was fun, fun trying to navigate my way around and find the treasure chest and stuff. And then, like, all the like weird Sephiroth scenes where, like, Cloud is freaking out and, like, does, like, the mirror imaging and all that kind of stuff. It's really neat. Yeah. For sure. Um... So before we get into talking about like what happens in the temple and the ancients and stuff, let's talk about uh, characters. Yes, please. So, who's your favorite? Who's your least favorite? Why is it Kate Sith? <laughs> <laughs> or, or I'm sorry, if you want to pronounce it correctly, it's like Kachi because it's like Gaelish Irish or something like that. Why do they do this stuff? Just <laughs> <laughs> everything's pronounced not how we think it's supposed to be pronounced. So. Here's the funny thing about we talk about characters. Like, I don't think there is actually a terrible character in the game. I think everybody has a development of a personality that is bigger than I thought it was. Like, I was one of those people that thought Cloud was a personalityless loser before playing this again. And I don't think that anymore. I think Cloud has a lot going on and he's actually kind of an interesting protagonist, if not the most interesting character in the game. He's still probably one of the bottom three characters as far as being interesting in the game. But I think I didn't give him enough credit. 
I feel like people tend to remember Cloud as being Squall from Final Fantasy VIII, always grumping about being a loner and all that. And I feel like he, he has a lot of moments where he's a goofball, a lot of moments where he like has a lot of pride, and a lot of moments where he's kind of going against that at the same time. And I feel like his internal struggles are less angsty and more what the hell is happening. Yeah, you know? I think it's more confusion-based as opposed to just yeah. angst, because he literally doesn't know who he is anymore. Right. That's, right. that's what I liked about it when they finally started explaining that it was just I don't know it just is relatable for me like he doesn't know who he is he's trying to figure himself out you know it's yeah. like wake up wake up and all of a sudden it's like I don't remember what happened the last like two years of my life what happened and, so and not to mention he was this character that grew up and he had this very specific dream he wanted to grow up be a part of soldier be like sephiroth you yeah. know and then he achieves this and then he's not there anymore you're, he's joining avalanche you're like why did this happen why did he abandon everything he grew up wanting to do and be to join this protest group essentially yes yeah. so i think that's pretty and, neat when you find out what happened with Sephiroth in Nibelheim, it's kind of like, holy shit, what Cloud's going through seems to weirdly parallel uh, parallel this. But Sephiroth went all nutty and all, all mm-hmm. at once. So what is Cloud going to go through as he kind of trickles this information out slowly instead of all at once and going mad like Seph did, you know? Yeah. But I guess that wasn't quite the question at hand, but I just wanted to kind of qualify Cloud as not sucking. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really important. Yeah, I like um, that. I would that, like that was when, what I said earlier. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, just a quick defense of Squall. Um, okay. I, I've read in subsequent years that like most of Squall being like the whatever kind of guy is because the translation. Like apparently in the Japanese version, he had more of a personality. But when they translated it over here, I think they got one person to translate it or something like that. And uh, yeah, they just cut a lot of Squall's like things that he would say. They were like, we don't know how we would translate this. So we're going to make it whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> but from what i understand i've read an article about the translation of clouds lines the especially the whatever lines in eight and i get the impression that it was less along the lines of them changing the mood of it and more he says a bunch of different like sulky sullen teenage shit you know that's none of my business what a pain or whatever and they just decided to roll it up into a catchphrase instead but like he's still being a sulky teenager the entire game <laughs> that's, that's fair um I think if I were gonna like the the character that's stood out to me the most in this game so far, um, has been Tifa, mm. and it's because like yeah, she really stands out with those triangles, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> um, no, it, but this is a bad podcast. I know. I, I, from things that I know about the game, I know Tifa knows more than she's letting on, right? Mm-hmm. And I think knowing that and seeing. I can almost see a struggle in some of her dialogue where it's like she wants to talk to Cloud about this stuff, but doesn't. Yeah, you she's definitely I mean? holding back, and you yeah. can tell. Yeah. And Aerith, too. Like, when you go to... Uh, and this is kind of touching on uh, what I was going to bring up, but it, it ties in. When you go to... Is it Gungaga? Yeah. Mm. And you meet Zack's parents. Mm-hmm. And they're like, do you know Zack? If you have Tifa and Aerith with you, they're both like, what? No, no, you don't know Zach. What are you talking about? And they storm off. Yeah, I had Tifa in my party at that moment. So I did see Tifa storm off. I think I had Yuffie too, and she didn't have much of a reaction. <laughs> yeah, that's who I had as well. But in the uh, in the little walkthrough thing, it said, you know, if you go with Tifa and Aerith, that they both react to it. And uh, so that, that leads me to think that they both probably had something to do with Zach. Now, here's my, here's my little thing that I was going to bring up. And like I said, it kind of correlates, and then we'll get back to talking about characters. But since we're talking about Gungaga, when you get to Gungaga, 
that's where the reactor had been like blown up and it had destroyed the city and everything, right? Yeah. And that is Zach's hometown. When you're Cloud, Cloud has these memories of his hometown being on fire and you go back to Nippelheim and it's perfectly fine and no one remembers him, mm-hmm. right? I went to, Nate, you did this too. I went to Nibelheim before I went to Gungaga, right? So seeing that, and then when I went to Gungaga and saw the, the remnants of that town, knowing what I know about what happens later in the game, I was like, oh, holy shit. I just had this, like, I'm getting goosebumps right now. I was just like, I had this realization that I was like, oh, fuck. This is, this is what, this is what it's talking about later. I don't know <laughs> everything, but I kind of see where this is going. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, this is really cool. Yeah, and it, it, I'll definitely say that the plot has been crafted in such a way that I'm experiencing it for the, not the first time now, and I'm seeing that there are a lot of hints and interesting things in the character development that I never would have noticed before. Yeah, like I going through it in high school, a lot of things glossed over, and now I knew about this and that. I'm like, okay, you kind of you know, it's like watching a movie for the second time when you really enjoy it and mm-hmm. you know what to look mm-hmm. for, and all of a sudden, like you don't catch these things the first time. So it's just one of those things like, should you play this game twice? If you if you really liked it, yes. Because there's so many little nods like that. And they just nailed it. I had the uh, the same experience when I watched back through The Sopranos. You know, it's just there's these little things that you wouldn't notice the first time through. But when you do the second through, you're like, <gasps> and yeah. yeah, and I love moments like that. Yeah, I, I, I felt that with Breaking Bad as well. Yeah, dude, fucking love it. Um, But so the moment... So I, I joke around saying Case is the worst character, um, but he is. He, he pretty much is. But I don't want to admit this, man. But like Vincent, I love Vincent to death. But his limit break makes him makes me not want to use him as much, because <laughs> it it can be strong or it can heal the fucking monster you're fighting for a thousand. Yeah. God Didn't damn it! Did you say you summoned him against the Materia Keeper and he used an ant- the wrong elements against him or something? Yeah. He, I summoned him against the Materia Keeper. He used fire, and it healed it for a thousand. <laughs> and I was and like, "That oh, is what damn. I remember to be one of the worst bosses, the hardest bosses in the game. Like one of the only times the first time I played it, I remember having to stop and like level up and check my equipment." Well, I have game overed against one boss so far, and it was not the Materia Keeper. I'll just say that. Oh, nice. Um, um, but yeah, have, uh, here's the thing: like Vincent is cool, Yuffie is cool, but they're both the kind of um, optional characters for a reason. They're not as impactful. They're not as interesting overall as the main squad. Um, I do think they're worth getting. And I do think they're pretty cool, but I would put them at the bottom tier of characters as far as how interesting they are. Yeah. I, I So far, I've found the most interesting to be uh, Red 13, Nanaki. Mm. You know, but uh, I'll, I'll see if that changes the more the game plays yeah. out. So I have like what I consider my four favorite characters and I don't think I'm going to surprise anybody with these, but I absolutely love Barrett. I think he's got a great character, great personality. I love the whole story with him and Marlene and how that's his adopted daughter, not his actual daughter because of his friend that died. Well, well, you know how that goes. Died. Yes. So like, I really love Barrett, and I think I relate to Barrett a lot. I think he's a really cool character. Um, other than him, I really like, like you said, Tifa is one of the characters that's really stood out to me. Red 13 is always going to be one of my favorites. I just love that dude. And then Sid Highwind. You can't not like Sid. <laughs> he's like... I was going to say, when you... No, you go. You go. 
<laughs> I was just going to say, when you said Barrett is your top one, I was immediately like, if you like Barrett, you're going to love Sid because he's basically the same kind of energy mm-hmm. brought to the party. Yeah. yeah. Make some goddamn tea. Yeah. <laughs> Expletive. <laughs> I love this game's decisions on how what words to censor and which words not because like one time Barry will say god damn it and another time you're pretty sure he's just saying shit which he said seven times already and then they just censor it out for no reason yeah. <laughs> I hated Barrett when I was playing in high school and going through it a second time I loved it Barrett like, he's awesome yeah like he they make you not want to like him in the beginning because he's like being an asshole to squ- uh, to squalls and to cloud and you know he's just like just stubborn as hell and shit like that and you're just like he's just gonna get us get us killed kind of deal and then you can see that it just uh, that whole thing comes around you can see why he's doing that and it explains it so well mm-hmm. and it's just all of a sudden he's relatable he's just like oh my god like this guy he's not just a fucking like stubborn asshole he's he's got a reason behind all this yeah and if there's a character i think i'm the most similar to in this game it's barrett yeah, you got the you got the guns. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Uh, I guess let's see. I, I guess I can give a top and bottom. Um, I haven't actually got to the, get the uh, the optional characters yet. Like I said, I'm far, far behind on gameplay. But I mean, I think we've already gone ahead and said it that no one really likes Keishi until you get to the point where you find out what's going on, and even then, that doesn't help that much. Mm. Um, Vincent and Yuffie are just not full characters i think it's just kind of how they're cool Um, but they're not full yeah yeah exactly that's why they're They're just fun archetypes yeah they're fun archetypes and they do have a tie into the plot in some way but not as many as the other characters yeah um i remember red 13 being kind of a disc one hero like he's really interesting at first but i think you've almost already got all the stuff you're gonna get out of him uh barrett is probably the best and sid is like diet barrett i'm always happy to have him too (laughs) diet barrett i love it (laughs) Uh, uh, and then like like I'm saying, I'm having more fun with Cloud. I did not remember. I remembered. I remembered thinking that people have a weird take on Cloud. And as I'm replaying it, I'm like, yeah, he's he's an energetic young goofball. When you see him in flashbacks, he's kind of brash now, but it's because he thinks he knows his shit. But he's not like the total. Di- and it's also you have a lot of voice choices in the options too. You can play him to be a sullen dick, but I don't think that that is like the necessarily only valid read. And I feel like. It doesn't match up with his younger personality mm-hmm. when you do it like that. Let's mosey. Um, and then, let's see. <laughs> also, my favorite just, line. I want to shout out that... Oh, yeah. Let's mosey. He says shit like, let's mosey. <laughs> and everybody, like, me- acknowledges it. They're like, what the fuck did you say? <laughs> <laughs> That's I, I love that about the crew, too. Is they, they always say, they're saying weird shit like, let's mosey. Or, Cloud, shut your spiky butt off. Yeah, yeah. Barrett always calls him spiky butt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I also want to say, like, Aerith, I, I also remember that everyone seems to remember her as a no-character-having healer or whatever. They're just basically there to be the group priest and go, oh, what's happening? I don't understand. And then things happen to her because she's plot-based. No. But, like, like she is a full-ass person. Like, for one thing, she's the, like, weirdly flirtiest character in the group. Like, remember the scene outside the Honey Bee Inn where she's, like, selling flowers to the guys and one of them's happy to have paid her 500 because she got to talk to her a little, talk to her a little. She, one of, she charged one of them, like, 200 and she gave the cute one a flower and one gill. <laughs> like, that's, like, really funny and, like, she hops up on Don Corneo's bed and threatens to rip his dick off at one point. Like, these are things that happen. This is not the character people remember. Yeah, for you know? sure. Yeah, because 
I, I went into this thinking that because because we know what's going to happen to her. I wasn't using her and stuff like that. But in the cutscenes, I started to realize like, okay, if you didn't know what we all knew going into this, like if that was not something, you know, back in the day, put yourself in the seat of somebody who was playing this back in 97, that would have been fucking heartbreaking for yep. two reasons. One, if you put all that time into her. But like if you built that relationship, if she was part of your main party and you were like, I yeah, she's my girl. You went on the date with her at the Golden Saucer, and then that all gets ripped from you. Yeah, that's an impactful moment. She could yeah. easily have been somebody's favorite character before everything that happened, because like she has that much of a personality, and she is a cool character. So like, I can definitely see that. Yeah, she's yeah, also sure. not like this ditz that just keeps hitting on yeah. stuff. She's actually aware of everything that's going on. She knows what. Sephiroth is up to basically and all the things with the ancients and she just chooses to be this happy-go-lucky person and like miss positivity she knows what's going to happen to her and she's still and she puts on this, yeah it's kind of like Yuna in Final Fantasy 10 where she like knows that she's got a heavy things in front exactly. of her and she puts a smile on her face she makes herself the party face and yet like you said she's super aware like when Cloud tries to sneak off on her and you know early on in the game and she's just there Standing waiting there, where yeah. he's going yeah, um, I think it's I think it's great writing. I mean, I I think when people say it's overrated, I don't think it's overrated, but I think it is earned. It. I don't. It's not my favorite game by any means, but uh, it's a game that I really enjoy. Not enough that I think the remake's worth it. I like. The, I just like the original that much more. But at the same time, I'm just like I just because it's hit so many things like graphics, music. Uh, like themes and stuff like that. The way they pulled this off back in the time that it came out, it was game breaking in so many different ways. And that, that's why I think it's, 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 you know, it's set the bar for so many things. And that's why I think when people say it's overrated, I'm like, I don't think you get it. You know, you don't have to like it, but you have to respect for what it is because it is, it's got a lot going on. And uh, one last thing I want to touch on before we talk about the ending of disc one and then do our uh, our casting in the list and then we'll, we'll let you go to bed, Bosch. But um, is this game has some humor, some sprinkled out through it. OK, yeah. Two moments in particular. OK. And uh, one I'm sure we'll deep dive on a little more, which is Don Cornejo and that whole section. But, dude, the moment when you have uh, when you're in the Temple of the Ancients and you figure out that. You know, you have to shrink that thing down in order for it to turn into a materia and somebody has to, to die, basically. And Kate Sith is like, I'll do it. No, nah, man, I just control this body from, spoilers, from Shinra headquarters. <laughs> and, you know, like, I'll do it. And like, I laughed. <sighs> it's supposed to be a serious fucking moment because, like, that happens and then Cloud goes down there and Sephiroth comes. He gives him the materia and all of that. And there's just a moment where Cloud's freaking out. And in in this really serious moment in the top <laughs> left corner... Here comes Kate yeah, Sith just yeah, walking just up waddling. like nothing ever happened. Just, here's a, a new body. Hey, did I miss anything? And Aerith just looks, Artifa just looks at him while I'm pretty sure Cloud is beating the shit out of Aerith down in the bottom of that. Yeah, bed. that was a weird scene. <laughs> like, he I just like I, tackles her and starts punching her. I'm like, holy shit, Cloud, calm down. <laughs> that And that ruined it for me for just for the fact that it's like, okay, cool. Uh, he's controlling a robot with a remote control. There's no loss here. Like, yeah, he's not exactly. going to die. Yeah. And, like, then you got all this other stuff going on. I'm like, no, man. Like, 
<laughs> You're taking away from the gravitas of the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. There's a bit of a comical theatrical overacting yeah. that the uh, character models love to do. Oh, yeah. Well, that's part yeah. of the chibi art, too, right? I mean, like, they yeah. have those grand gestures, you know, like they always, yeah, exactly. They do the, like, the big open arms and wide, mm-hmm. like, woo! Uh, it's very traditionally Final Fantasy. Like, all the characters of Final Fantasy VI who like to turn back to the camera and go, like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, and they had to do that. And it looks hilarious when you put, like, for Dalton, if he's wearing... But it's but great. If he ha- yeah. If he has, like, the mods on for, like, to make the uh, the less chibi world sprites, basically, when they start doing all those over-the-top motions, it just it's looks hilarious. so weird. It's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. Um, one one thing that is funny is that in the cutscenes in the version that I'm playing, obviously they couldn't change those. So, like, it'll go from the cloud that I've been looking at playing, it'll go to a cutscene, and it's a little blocky chibi cloud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I still do get to see that every every now and then. But we ha- we have to talk about Don Cornejo. Who did he pick in y'all's game? Eris. Picked Eris. Picked Eris. Tifa. And too. What about you? Tifa in high school and Eris in the second play, second main play. I think if he picks Eris, that means you almost nailed it, right? You got Eris too, right, Dalton? No, I got Cloud. He picked Cloud. I got, I got Cloud. Yeah, high five. Whoosh. Like <laughs> I, I use an FAQ. I wanted to get that right. <laughs> Is there an achievement associated with that or something? No, I just wanted to do it. Okay, fair enough. No, yeah. Like I said, I got all of it perfect except the fucking cr- squats. Yeah, so the, you can make you up the for the squats wig. if you get if you yeah if you get the shitty wig, but you have a good roll on the uh, makeup. I think you're fine. Yeah, I had a bad roll on the makeup, but I had the perfect wig, so I was okay. Because the the makeup's <laughs> just RNG. Oh hell yeah. Um, yeah, and the cologne too. I got the expensive cologne or whatever. Not I perfume. I, the first time I, I remember yeah. the first time I played it, I got the bad one because, or I got the medium one because the first time I played it, I went and did the pharmacy coupon before I realized I was part of a quest. I got the deodorant. <laughs> <laughs> so my club probably will need this. What would be the expensive cologne in 1997? Would be would that be like CK one or something? What's going to be the cheap one? Is like preferred stock. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, CKY. I mean, it's Michael Jordan cologne. Dude, I definitely got deodorant when I played this time. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Ninety six, quite bitter scents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Nice, ninety six, quite bitter oranges. <laughs> I do have a question though that I'm not sure how it ever happened. It's like they decided to make this character so much bigger in the remake because people loved this character, and I don't understand why. How anybody ever got attached to Jesse? Yeah, she flirts with the player. Yeah, she flirts yep. in the beginning, and that's that's about it. I, d- like, I just don't. I, I just never understood why people get attached to Jesse. It's so weird to me. I'll tell you uh, something funny. If you use the mods that I'm using, is that everyone has a better looking sprite except the fat guy. What's his <laughs> name? Oh, wedge. Is that wedge? Yeah, he he still looks cartoony. Like he's proportioned <laughs> proportioned better than normal, but he still looks like all the cloud and them look like you know advent children style and he's just like ha 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 here to open the door boss <laughs> dude that, that, that's a great idea for mod the cartoon chunky people mod Heidegger should also be a wise boy that looks like a cartoon god Heidegger um, we can say this thing because we large too so <laughs> the end of disc one we all knew it was coming uh, or we all know yeah, it's so here's the big spoiler everyone probably has heard about this this is one of the this is the most famous spoiler in video game history uh for the hour. It turns out Eris is your dad. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh my god, yeah. Dude, she just flops out Dong. She's sister. like, we have something to tell you, Cloud. Voldemort killed who? Voldemort killed Eris? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
so for about the the white materia was a sled. As soon as I got to the Temple of the Ancients, um, my finger was hovering over the screenshot button because I was like, all right, I don't know when it's coming, but I know it's coming. And uh, having to get through, so Nate, you just recently got to the Temple of the Ancients. Will you're gonna have to get there soon, dude? That fucking puzzle with the rolling things where you have to stand under them as they roll over you. I never want to have to do that again. God. Oh, I've forgotten this. That's going to be a pain in the ass. Yeah, it took me a couple minutes, but it, it wasn't that bad. Like, I just ended up sprinting ahead. And if I got hit, I'm like, well, I'm just going to do it again. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> once you get again. through it, luckily, it's done. It doesn't do it again. Yeah. But, um, so you make your way. You find Aerith praying at, uh, it's not really an altar, but it's just this area. And Cloud goes walking up, and all of a sudden, he gets one of his little headaches. And the only thing you can do is you keep pressing A or X, you know, depending on what you're playing on. And Cloud just takes his sword out and he raises it up and he holds it over his head and he goes to swing it and Barrett and Tifa are like, Cloud, what the fuck? And he stops and uh, yeah. And then he like, doesn't he like fall backwards? And that's when Sephiroth drops down out of the sky and just drives his way larger than normal katana straight it's probably a die katana actually straight <laughs> through Aerith. boom and uh i gotta say and i i mentioned this in chat to you guys like i knew it was coming but it was still impactful like it was still a powerful little scene and i was impressed with that like the fact that i could know it was coming and it still emotionally did something to me i was like wow it's pretty good fucking writing yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that scene again in today's light. So I should get there next time I play the game, probably, which will probably be tomorrow. So yeah. I want to oh, say yeah. I enjoy, I look forward to it, but because of that scene, it always when I get it to that area, I'm always like, the music is just it. It puts me in that mood where it's like I know this is going to happen, and it always throws me off. So it's like, and like that's because I know, like I'm dreading it. Because I know it's going to happen, but it's just like, okay, but I, we got to get this over with. Yeah. Which That's is, oddly enough, Harris's point of view, pretty much. <laughs> I was like, we're, you know, we can do this. Okay. Quick argument. Eris or Aerith? Aerith. T-H. I named her Aerith on my game specifically because I knew you would name her Eris on your game out of, uh, just to piss you off. That's why I've been making sure I at least send you a copy of the screenshot, even if I don't send it to the whole group <laughs> I always make sure I've got the word Aerith in the screenshot every time. But why did it change? Like, I don't understand why the, it changed from when I played Final Fantasy VII for, as Eris to Aerith. Like, it's, uh, it's one of those transliteration things. It's the, so there's not a difference in Japanese between like the S and TH sound. So like for instance, Sephiroth's name is also Sephirosu, and they just made they knew that the word they were looking for was Sephiroth. But with like Aerith, they were going for like a combination of air and earth, and the translators didn't really know what that was, so they just uh, kind of called her Eris. Okay, so I have a question. Well, you guys were playing it back then, Eris or Ares? Eris. It was Eris. We called her Ares down here in, in Florida. <laughs> I think it's one of those diggings to her, whatever your peer group called the characters you tended to go with. Because, like, I think that's, that's been, like, I remember so much of these games being, like, schoolyard chat, too. Because, yeah. like, I know, like, I say Pinky Demon when I play Doom now, but as a kid, I always called them Bulldog Demons because that's what everyone in my area called them, you know? True that. Just little weird things like that. So if your friends all say Titus, you don't want to be the asshole. <laughs> Yeah. True. Uh, I, 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 I refuse to be correct in that way. 
I'm just gonna tell you that right now. Yeah. It's like no, I'm gonna I'm gonna be wrong on purpose, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I've kind of dug my heels in the sand for the heiress. <laughs> like I'm not coming out of this. You're not gonna convince me to call her Aerith, and I'm sure Grim will yell at me about it next week. It's pineapples on pizza, baby. Let's go. <laughs> I'm I'm mainly actually going with Aerith because I like. I may end up wanting to do one of the later Final Fantasy VII things, although I really have no interest in the compilation of FF7 stuff, because I think that's where the bad interpretations of all the characters comes from. Like, I think that that is where everyone gets Grumpy Cloud and Ditsy Idiot Aerith and, like, you know, childhood friend crush, but, like, no other personality Tifa and all that. And it's like, I don't think the game's writing, you know, matches all that. Okay, there is one other thing. Good, good gesture. I appreciate that, Paul. <laughs> one thing other than childhood friend crush. Um, two things. Uh, anyway, uh, but like, I, I probably will eventually play the remake at this point. And like, if I don't get used to Aerith pretty soon, I'm probably never gonna. <laughs> yeah, well, um, not to get into too much, but from everything I've read, there's like differences in remake with how things go, and that's all I'll say. Yeah, I don't know too much. I'm about a little it, worried. I'm a little worried that they're also going to try to write things like everyone remembers it instead of how it's actually being played in this game. And like, I feel like we've spent like 20 years being gaslit about what the contents of Final <laughs> Fantasy VII are other than Eris dying. Hey, how come she's Eris when she dies? I just called her Eris. <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't know. But, um... So, yeah, okay. Oh, shit, my air conditioning came on. I thought I had that turn way down. Is it because I said Eris? <laughs> I didn't say air on. Yeah, air on. So no, air on is that guy from Ten with the cool jug and the sword. <laughs> yeah. Is there uh, is there anything else you guys would like to touch on? Uh, yeah, I got one other thing I wanted to say. Yeah, Tifa. Uh, yeah, yeah, baby. <laughs> I would like to pet Red Thirteen. He seems like a good boy. Um, one, I'm going to do a couple things this playthrough I've never done before. I never got all the limit breaks for Eris. Oh. So I'm actually going to have to use Eris in my party for the entire rest of time that I have her because I need to get a ton of kills with her. So I've got her on all the, like, she's using my summon material. She's constantly choco-mogging people. And when that runs out, I'll be putting Titan on her and stuff. Be sure but, to uh, uh, check your walkthrough. Yeah, I, I'm absolutely checking walkthrough for that kind of thing because I know that there's probably something you can miss. And I know that the final item requires some really, yeah, like... So it's weird. You have to have a number of battles that ends in a double digit number or something stupid like that, that you have to keep redoing if you don't have that. So we'll see. Yeah. I'm actually going to say on this playthrough, I've decided not to go for like a whole lot of extra stuff. I'm just enjoying the game for the intended story, the gameplay, not doing too much extra because I feel like that's part of the thing that hurt this game in the long run for me as a kid is trying to do too much extra in it. So at this point I'm trying to enjoy it for what it is. And I will say I'm already at a much higher score number than I thought I would be for this game. Did you come into this thinking that this was going to be an easy joke where you'd say, yeah, it's final fantasy seven out of 10. No, I thought I was going to give it a five. Wow. Couldn't get into Final uh, Fantasy V. I think it's because I lack nostalgia for it. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that's going to work out well for you too, Nate. Because honestly, a lot of the extra, like the stuff, the optional stuff, is to get super attacks mm-hmm. and stuff. And the thing is, this game is an easy game for babies. This game is easier than Pokemon. Don't, don't there. I wanted to say something controversial. I've done it. This is an easy <laughs> game for babies. Yeah, like I was mentioning earlier, have y'all had any trouble with 
any bosses. I had one issue where I died once, I game over one time against one boss in the game, but other than that, I've had no issues. And that boss was Demon's Gate, which is the, which is the boss that's right at the end of the Temple of the Ancients, where you have to fight yeah. a wall, essentially, that killed me once. Okay, that was the one that I thought was harder than Materia Keeper. Okay, so with the Demon I Wall, you just use Jump with Kane. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> Just attack with Cecil. True. Sorry. Yes. Couldn't help it. Yeah, the uh, the demon wall's a pain in the ass. <clears throat> and when I saw it come up, it gave me flashbacks of Final Fantasy twelve, where there's a dungeon where you fight a demon wall, and then later on you fight another one, and you're like, oh, god damn it! <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the demon wall was hard. There's been one moment where, um, because it's so easy, I wasn't really paying attention to my HP, and uh, Cloud and Barrett both died, and I had to resurrect them quickly <laughs> with Tifa. Um I got through it. Oh, I got close to a game over once because I decided to do something I shouldn't have done just to see what would happen. So even when I was at, I was just at level 15 and I was outside of the uh, Mithril Cave Swamp, I decided to go ahead and fight the Midgar Zolom to see how it would go. I almost beat it, and the but then he used beta at the end and it, it would have party wiped me, but he used the little tail tickle remove that banished Aerith from the fight, so it technically counted as Aerith running away. Nice. Uh, oh, that's fucking uh, a little... Get out of jail card for you <laughs> for a game of. Well, I mean, I missed Aerith at the time. I would have liked to have her in the party, but I guess I'm kind of glad she didn't die. I'm hopeful nothing bad happens to her. <laughs> <laughs> too soon, man. Too soon. So, uh, I only have I have one question remaining for you guys, and then we'll get into uh, the little list that I have curated. So, uh, I thought it'd be fun. So, the main Final Fantasies from my generation are seven, eight, nine, and ten. Those were the big ones. I think we've all played them. Yeah. Um, so There's I thought in the rest of the world, seven, nine, and ten. Uh, yes. Oh, sorry, I had to do it. Uh, <laughs> so if we were to cast the main the main characters, so Cloud, Squall, uh, Zidane, as I was corrected earlier, even though it's totally spelled Zidane, mm-hmm. and uh, Titus. Voice acting could not arrive to this series. Well, I was about to say that, and then Titus is the one name in the game that doesn't get said. <laughs> Right, because you can name him. It's like anytime a game says gives you the opportunity to name your character, you can just bet they're going to call you "Hey guy" and things like that the whole time. Yeah, hey silent protagonist. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and well, no, they're not even. Sometimes they're not even silent. They just are never referred to by name. Yeah. Um. So my first addition to this is Fertitus Titus Meg Ryan. Dude, I got. I've got. I've got an alternate one for you, Britney Spears. <laughs> Huh. Oh. <laughs> I I just he has the same haircut as like nineties Meg Ryan. I think it would be perfect. Don't ask me why, but for some reason for Squall, I'm getting major young Kevin Bacon vibes. See, it's kind of fun. I like that actually. I was thinking of a young version of an older actor too, but I feel like if we could get Tim Burton to direct this shit, I would put a Johnny Depp over nice. there. The young scissor hands type style, you know? And then, uh, what's her name? Heather, or is it Heather Bonham Carter? Or Helena yeah, Bonham? Helen, Helen Bonham Carter. Make her like Renoa. Nice. Nice. Okay. This could work. This could work. Um, Cloud? I sync era Justin Timberlake. Mm, yeah. Or maybe Lance Bass might be a better pick now that I'm thinking Lance, about yeah. Lance Bass is already set for us. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would go for Cloud, dude. I would say like young Brad Pitt. 
Not even young. Like I think a, okay. a Fight Club era Brad, Brad Pitt could work, honestly. Yeah, Fight Club. I'm going to go a different direction with some of you guys with this one then. I kind of want Claude to be a little bit more action hero-y. I think he doesn't have to have great line delivery because he's kind of a weirdo anyway. And if he says something stupid and it sounds weird, that's even better. I want Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> That'd be fun. Okay, here's one we haven't said anything, though, because it's kind of hard, because I feel like this one needs to be a child, which is um, Zidane, or Zidane, however you want to say it. So, the funny thing is, I remember the looks like Meg Ryan jokes came out when Nine was new about Zidane. <laughs> so, like, I think that one's a child, and so, like, I'm trying to come up with okay. a kid actor that works for it, and I'm kind of drawing a blank on any good kids maybe if we can go back in time and get goonie era sean astin to do it that could be fun it's <laughs> true but like how how old are they like 16 in that game i don't know they look super young they look like, like 10 <laughs> yeah they do look young i think it's just part of the it's probably it the is, too, but i have trouble seeing them as any the older proportions. yeah that's true he, they do look kind of like young young teenagers maybe like one of the hansen brothers <laughs> Hmm. Isn't Zach the youngest of the Hansons? Fuck if I know. Yeah. Um, but for uh, for an actual person for Titus, though, who's that? God, I could picture him in my head. He's the good-looking dude, uh, Efron. Oh, Zach Efron. Yeah, I could picture him as Titus to give him blonde hair. Yeah, it'll work. Yeah. Now, my brain went in a completely different direction a, when you said the name Zach, and I was like, Zach Braff? Needs, I don't know about that, y'all. He needs a softer... But now I really would like to see Zach Braff in a wig do the laugh scene, so at least we have that. I think he needs a softer jawline. Mm. Well, what, what about you, Paul? Who would you cast for some of these? Oh, man, I'm drawing blanks now. I'm thinking of, like, side characters now. Like, who would you be yeah. for Genova? <laughs> that's, that's what I'm thinking. That would be cool. Oh, dude, Gary Busey. <laughs> I was thinking, like, Tilda Swinton. I know we already used <laughs> Helena Bonham Carter, but wouldn't she make a pretty good Lulu? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think she has I the feel- assets for it, too. So. Genova would be played in an award-winning role that got CGI'd over by Andy Serkis. <laughs> it was like... Or, like- Ro- yo, wait, Ron Perlman. Just put him in a bunch of crazy makeup. He could do anything in a bunch of crazy makeup. Oh, man. It's, like, voiced by Ron Perlman, but it's, like... Played by like Kate Blanchett, <laughs> <laughs> mother. That's what I was make- thinking with Titus is make it Meg Ryan, but then have somebody voice it over. So it's got yeah. a boy's voice. It's just Meg Ryan playing <laughs> Titus. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, maybe some other characters like Yuna. Like who would be good for Yuna since she's another main character in Ten? Well, she got the Jennifer Aniston hair. Yeah, she does. So you got I half the work of- done for you right there. I'm uh, people. People are gonna be like you, you absolute twat, when I say this. But the uh, who's the girl from Twilight? What was her name? Kristen Stewart. 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 I could see her being Yuna. She's actually a really good actress. I'll put it out there. Okay. Yeah, well, just don't judge her on Twilight. <laughs> I, I try not to judge any of those actors from Twilight. Yeah, because her and Robert Pattinson are both really good actors. Really, yeah, Robert Pattinson's really, really good. I think the more you realize that most of Robert Pattinson's weird acting decisions in there were based on him just thinking that the character was strange and him having kind of a contempt for it in the first place makes the whole role a lot funnier. 
Well, I don't know. I those movies are wild and like worth seeing, even if you don't think you'll like them. Because even if you don't like them, you'll find them interesting. Yeah, like the baseball scene in Twilight's enough for the whole entire yes. movie to justify its existence. I mean, come on. Agreed. Agreed fully. <sighs> well, guys, what do you say we go to the mailbag? Oh, yes, sir. Let's all, all right, go to the mailbag. We've got some viewer questions in this week. I think some of them are pretty good. Um, Adam asked one that I don't think we're quite ready to cover yet that we'll save for next episode, which is Cloud yeah. or Zach. We're not there yet. We'll come back to that. So the first is from our very own Team Retrogue. Am I saying that right? I hope so. Wait, I want to answer it. Yeah. I want to answer it. Go, yeah, you go can go answer ahead, the Cloud or Zach question. Go ahead. I'm not until next yes. week. Yes. Yes. Okay. Very good. <laughs> All right. Now from Team Retrogue, who is the best to take on the gold saucer ride? Keep in mind that you can't take Barrett. Uh, I, I took Tifa. Same. Personally. Um, apparently, though, there is an achievement on Steam called Best Bromance. If you take Barrett <laughs> on that date, you get an achievement for it. And I was like, damn, I missed the achievement. <laughs> Can you take red? So, unfortunately, the way that works mechanically under the hood is each of the characters have an affection score, and I think Eris starts at 50, Tifa starts at 30, and Barrett starts at 10. So, you not only have to work your ass off to get Barrett, but you have to be rude to the other two throughout the entire game to even have a chance. Yeah. If it were for that, though, I'd do, I, I have, I, I'm just going to look up the Barrett scene. That sounds like fun. I might uh, use that save editor after we're done and we beat it to just create a save right before it. Yeah. yeah, and then just play through and get that achievement. So if you want me to do that for you too, Willie, I can. I'll send that over. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> Please do. Yeah. Um. So it's something I was thinking about doing at first, but then I was like, I actually just want to answer the questions the way I view Cloud. Yeah, <laughs> so I didn't want to try to manipulate all the plot. Yeah, and I think that's how I ended up with moment. Tifa because I played it the way I felt like it should be played. Yeah. And also, I got Yuffie way later in the game than Dalton did, so Dalton had more chance to get Yuffie up. Yeah. Even though I, I really didn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I forgot. Yuffie was an option. That's it. There's four four options. Yuffie starts at ten. Barrett starts at zero. Ooh, okay. Yeah. I forgot red? Yuffie was an option. <laughs> no, I think it's just those four. Okay. I don't think you can get Sid or Vincent either. Sad face. Uh, all right. Well then, I guess we'll move on to Jeremy's question. Our good friend Jeremy from Yabspod, yet another bullshit podcast that Dalton and Jeremy host. Pretty fun little show. Question from Jeremy this week. If Square Enix hired you to completely write a new Final Fantasy game, what would your what would you name your main character, and what would their story be? My guy's name would be Greg Belts, and his goal is to get a whole bunch of belts so he can make an entire outfit out of them. <laughs> I like it. So, because of like Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy VIII, you know, both of those are very weather based named characters. I would name my character Tempest Storm, and Tempest Storm is basically just fighting people he's got to kill a dragon it's weird i can't explain it that that is a very my first dnd character <laughs> and i appreciate that a lot um his name means storm storm he's moon moon you brought moon moon yes. to the party <laughs> well it's funny that you mentioned storm because that's what i was thinking my main character's first name would be storm <laughs> we're all very creative and original people like st mine was gonna be lightning son of a bitch <laughs> mcqueen <laughs> Like, uh, Lightning's the character from Final Fantasy oh, 13. Wow. Yeah, it's the main character's name of 13. Wow. <laughs> um, okay. Maybe like Storm Shadow Sphere or something like that. Wait, Lightning? Storm Shadow? Like the Lightning Queen is in Final Fantasy 13? 
Yes, man. Yeah, I thought the cars were in 15. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And what would their story be? Man, if I'm going to be completely honest, if I was going to be in charge of a Final Fantasy game, I would be in charge of Final Fantasy VIII Remake. Like, I would just be like, listen, this game deserves it more than seven. It's got more to flesh out. Goddamn, we could have a whole game based around the gardens. Okay? So, like, come on now. Um, But, man, that's hard to think about a story. Maybe, like... Yeah, that's really hard to put come up with on the spot. (laughs) Maybe, like, have him going through and he's trying to face this evil but it turns out that that evil was actually his twin brother that he's been separated from um and then and then that, you kill a god happened. and then at the end <laughs> they have to fight one another yeah and then they become gods and you know what if they fight together the whole time and then in the end after you save the girl you have to fight your brother double dragon that sounds that kind of reminds me of that game a way out um yeah i mean that's that's basically what i got Paul, she got anything for us? I'm drawing blanks. That's fair. Really. That's fair. <laughs> I said Greg Belts. I should probably come up with a half series. I like Greg one. Belts. I, that's canon now. <laughs> <laughs> we need or a, like, fair a, enough. Catch him in Final Fantasy 69. It's going to be the toots. <laughs> what about we a, need like a fire elemental. You got like Titus, Squall, Cloud, you know, Lightning, oh. all these ones. We need like a different element. So a get some, a like, female character named Ember. Yeah. And that's you, not bad. Yeah, exactly. It can't be Flare because that's one of the spells. Woo! So it's like, okay. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> wrong wrong Flare. Wrong Flare, but we'll go with it. <laughs> um, You're going to put Charlotte in a video game? <laughs> yes. Okay. And we're going to give her big goofy shoes and she's going to go between Disney worlds and it's going to be fucking fantastic. <laughs> oh. I thought that was the premise for Kingdom Hearts anyways. Shows how much I paid attention. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now we have another question from our dear friend. Oh man, he's got way too many names, so we'll just go with the original expendable Mr. Syllables, old Jeffy Lube himself, asks us, out of all the Final Fantasies you've played, Final Fantasies? Final Fantasies you've played, who are your top three characters? Top three characters. Yeah, big one. I have two that I can think of off top. I need a second to kind of come up with a third. Uh, let's think for a second. Let Truncate Silence take out the problem. Just raise your finger when you get three. I got it. All right. What you got for us, Polish? I got Cecil, Orin, Cloud. Wow. Cloud's a top three nice. character. Nice. Actually, yeah. He's grown, he grown on me a lot. And for none of the reasons that most people probably would. <laughs> it's just weird like that. Yeah. So Cecil is obviously in my top three as well. I think Cecil's just an amazingly well fleshed out character. Uh, the other one, I have Zeldinked from Final Fantasy VIII. I have always loved that character. He provides amazing comic relief, and I just like him a lot. And then from Final Fantasy IX, Steiner. I love that dude. Yes. Steiner is the man. Steiner is like, he's like all about ideals. He's like, in a world that's like a completely corrupt monarchy, he's the last true knight. It's yeah, kind of awesome. I love that dude. Yeah. I want to play nine again so bad just so I can hang out with Steiner some more. I like that. Uh, so I wanted to first off lead off with uh, Vivi from Final Fantasy Nine. He's, again, a character that's got a very incomplete knowledge of who he is and his way of confronting it not only drives his story, but his relationships with both Zidane and Steiner end up being, like, I think some of the most interesting parts of that game. Like, just the way they they did decide to protect their little boy, who is also a weapon <laughs> of mass destruction, basically. It's a crazy story. Yeah, Vivi's fantastic. Um, I, I would, he just, like, he, I love how they just used the character model from Final Fantasy One. 
of the Black Mage and flesh that out into a full 3D model. Like, VV is fantastic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that they really did just take that classic sprite and then just make a full S character of it. It's a little Jawa-y, but it's okay. I mean, you kind of have to because the other choices are not that great. Either glowing eyes with nothing underneath or some kind of like always in weird shadow or else you've got yeah. like weird dark makeup that will not look good in the no, future. No, 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 um, <laughs> And then my next pick was going to be Galif from Final Fantasy V. And the reason I wanted to go with Galif was because like he's one of those characters that like there's a few stories that have done this before that I think are really interesting, and I can't say what they are because it's major spoilers. I think Nate will at least know one of the ones I'm thinking of, but um, where a character is starts off as kind of heroic but doesn't know anything about their past, and by the time they find out how much of the past they were responsible for directly, it's a little bit too late. Mm. Cloud? Like, they're still very heroic, <laughs> but like, and they're doing their best, but damn, there's a heavy background behind it. I think that's really cool. And then I picked two characters that are really heavy stories, and then Nate had Zell. And the funny thing is, I was going to bring Waka to the party, because I think having a big, frabbly jock doofus in the group really helps keep the energy Yeah, up. you need that character every once in a while. And Zell was just my favorite example of that, with his Michael, uh, Mike Tyson face tattoo and happy-go-lucky attitude. Just Zell rushes in, you know? He beat Tyson Very to that, much. though, man. Huh? Zell did it long yeah. before Tyson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Tyson didn't get that till one of the later rebrands. Yeah. But, I mean, I think the, which pushes Waka over Zell for me is definitely the John DiMaggio Fair, voice. fair. It's hard to beat Bender. Yeah. Um, I guess that leaves me, huh? Yeah. Um. Yep. So, like I mentioned earlier, I love Titus. All right. He's mm-hmm. one of my favorite characters. Um, Just the way his plot plays out he's just he's awesome um then after that man it's hard for me to pick because like part of me wants to say squall part of me wants to say zell part of me wants to say irvine surprisingly i think he does have a good character arc in that game but i'm gonna go with selfie nice because okay she is so gung-ho to help even after Mm. her home garden gets obliterated and she watches those missiles fly off you know like that scene is so impactful where she just drops to her knees like she feels like she failed but in the end she still pulls together and helps after losing people that she loves you know what i'm saying and i thought that was very powerful um yeah my third character i don't think any of the three of you have played this game i could be wrong paul sh- i might be wrong but in final fantasy 12 there's a character named balthier okay. and balthier is by all intents and purposes all intents and purposes the main character of 12 in my opinion He's a space pi- He is uh, Han Solo, basically. I always say that Final oh. Fantasy XII is Star Wars, a Final Fantasy story. <laughs> and he is basically Han Solo. And his Chewbacca is Fran, the, the rabbit Sexy chick. bunny girl? The sexy bunny girl, yeah. <laughs> who, is, who is also a badass in her own right. When you say sexy bunny girl, are we talking about Playboy or are we talking about Lopunny? <laughs> oh, God. Because <laughs> I'm going either way. <laughs> I'm talking about like... <clears throat> Like she looks like a female until you look at her feet and her head, like sort of like cat girl level of bunny. Okay, girl. yeah, yeah. Um, March so Simpson, she's a badass, but Balthier <laughs> is Balthier is awesome. He's funny, he's quick witted, but he's also a bad motherfucker. Like he's just such a cool character. And what's weird is like the thing with Final Fantasy twelve was like the main characters were gonna be like Balthier and Bosch and them, and they decided that it needed some younger characters to appeal to some younger kids. So they added in Pinello and Vaughn and made Vaughn the main character. 
So really, when you're playing through the game, it seems like Vaughn and them are kind of shoehorned in, in a way. I mean, don't get me wrong, their story is still good. But you can tell that the other characters are far more fleshed out than the main characters are, which is weird because usually it's the other way around. But yeah, so I'll go Balthier. That's my final one. Very cool. So we have one final question from the fan mail today, and that comes from our good buddy Aries or Adam. And he asks, will Steamy ever make a comeback? Well, you heard how the beginning of the show went. So did Sephiroth do this? I'll have to, uh, I have to put him back together, but uh, he's still functioning. Yeah. He's the one that makes the lists for you guys. He's why we're playing Final Fantasy seven, baby. Yeah. And he's why we're probably going to be playing Gear Automata pretty soon. Yep. <laughs> um, oh, I was saying it wrong. I thought it was Automata. Automata Pia. Onomatopoeia. Yeah. It's, old, it's, it's old tomato. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, Steamy's still there, man. I, uh, I'll try to get him to say hello every now and then. <laughs> yes. All right. And <laughs> yes was really good. What the hell? It sounded like a speaking spell. <laughs> the, uh, I guess that all does it for the question. So I'll move on to our, our list and then we'll do the wrap up and get on out of here. So I found a list that. Uh, I thought was interesting is the 10 most powerful summons in the entire Final Fantasy franchise. All right. So do we want to give any guesses for number one before we get into this? Shiva. Okay. So Paul says Shiva <laughs> for different reasons. I feel like some iteration would... of Bahamut has got to be in the top 10. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bahamut had three flavors in seven, didn't he? It's like Terra Flare with Bahamut Zero, I think. Oh, God, I forgot about the different versions of Bahamut. Yeah, there's Bahamut, there's Neo Bahamut, and I forgot all about that. Yeah. yeah. What's the other one? It had Mega Giga and Terra Flare attacks. I think it's Uh, Bahamut Zero X or EX or something like that. Something like that. Oh, wow. No, Bahamut Zero. That's all it was. Yeah. 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 And then uh, I wanted to go with, I, I feel that the Zodiac from Final Fantasy Tactics, if Tactics is counting, I remember being a pretty famously deadly summon. And if not, uh, I, I mean, I want to give a shout out to, um, God, what was that one called? Um, Anima from Final Fantasy X, just because it automatically starts off being able to break the 9999 mm, limit. Oh, yeah. Um, also, this story of where that Aeon, yeah. Aeon came from is fucking yeah. cool. Intense. Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't I love expect the summons that. in the Final Fantasy series, and I really think that ten is one of the ones like eight that does a great job of tying them into the plot in a way that feels commensurate to their immense power in combat. Yeah, for sure. They're um, not just like this ungodly thing out of nowhere. Like they have this kind of connection to it. So I feel like the summons made sense in four too. Yeah, yeah. There was at least plot to them. Yeah, we, we didn't talk about this, but Ifrit in Final Fantasy seven is fucking atrociously yeah. ugly. We could talk about summons next week. On so like I, have, yeah. I have opinions on summons <laughs> in this game. We'll talk about that next episode. So my uh, my top that I think is going to be number one is the Mega Sisters from ten. Oh, okay. the one I hope is number one is Eden from eight. Uh, that was the one I was trying to think of the name of and why I went with Anima instead, actually. <laughs> All right, well, let's just, if any of those make so, the top 10, we're good. Let's see what we got. Let's roll in. So, so number 10 is Diablos from Final Fantasy Type-O HD. Oh, Type-O HD. I thought you were going to say 8, and I was going to say that's one of my favorite summoning animations oh, of all yeah. time. And you know what's funny is I think since then, he's pretty much kept the same animation in different iterations like Sick. because it's so cool. Can, um, 8 yeah, had Diablos- some of the best summon animations, period. Yeah. No cap. Love those. Boss. Absolutely agree. Um, Diablos from Final Fantasy Typo may not be the most powerful in terms of raw damage, but he sticks around longer in the battle and can heal himself due to the fact that every attack he does drains the enemy's health and is used to heal him. 
Nice. He also does the signature move, Gravitation Ball. So there you go. <laughs> Excellent. Um, number nine, Ark from Final Fantasy Nine. <sighs> that was another of the ones I was trying to remember the name oh, of. I can't remember the Holy game. Elemental ones to save my life, apparently. Uh, boasting a near two-minute attack time, Ark is the most powerful summon that can dramatically change the outcome of any battle it's called to. Two-minute cutscene can seem excessive, but with a brutal shadow-based attack dealt to all enemies via Eternal Darkness, it's worth it. Oh, that wasn't holy. It was a shadow. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I, I'm so bad at the holy ones. Anyway, it's shadow based attack. Eternal darkness. Good job, Bozo. <laughs> uh, number eight. Tis I. Odin from Final Fantasy IX. Odin makes sense. Odin has appeared in a number of Final Fantasy games, but his most powerful version by far was in Final Fantasy IX. If the player has 99 ore in their inventory, Odin has a 50% chance of killing any enemy outright with Zensetsuken. Nice. Um, oh, can absolutely one of the most satisfying summons in the series history. Again, eight with the rainstorm when he comes clopping in. Yeah, dude. Uh, I was I was way off. I was, number seven, the Mega Sisters from Final Fantasy X. <laughs> you made top seven. You're still good. Yep. The Mega Sisters. Oh yeah, I did it on purpose. Seven Final Fantasy seven. Good Mega job. Sisters being yeah, you know. Uh, the Mega Five hundred and eleven points for you. Are a trio <laughs> of death on the battlefield. Cindy is a master of healing and magical attacks. Mindy deals black magic and defends the party, while Sandy is the one with a different name scheme and they hate her. While Sandy <laughs> is the master of a physical attacks and support, combined the three can damage all enemies, heal the party, and provide buffs. And they're also one of the That's ones that I know that when you break the damage limit with them, they can do some serious numbers. That's funny. I misremembered their names because you said Cindy. Sid, you said Sid, Cindy, Sandy, and Mindy, yeah. right? I remembered it going the other way around. I thought it was Cindy, Mindy, and Mandy. Oh no! Yeah. I'm losing my mind today. Number six, Anima from Final Fantasy X. Okay, well, there's our tens. This summon with the tragic backstory is one of the more powerful in Final Fantasy X Remaster. Anima's pain attack can outright kill most opponents and deal significant damage to those who are immune to death magic especially when it also bypasses any defenses the enemies may have. Plus, it looks grody as heck. I'm going to try to pronounce this one. Shimhazai from Final Fantasy Tactics A2 Grimoire of the Rift. Never even heard of that game. That's a hidden object. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. (gasps) Real quick. So, me and my dad upgraded the PlayStation Plus thing, right? And he was looking through the games under there, and one of the games on there was Enigmatis, and I was like, that's a point-and-click game. And then there was another one that we have on Steam from the list. And I was like, that's point and click game too. And my dad's like, oh, I love those. And I was like, well, there's a couple of them. You should go play them. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Anyway, he should um, guest host on one of those episodes. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, if I can wrangle him in, that'd be hilarious. Uh, Shimhazai. Uh, appearing as a special type of summon called a Scion, Shimhazai is a ferocious ally to have. She only has one attack called Soul Purge that comes with 100% accuracy. Its damage is a bit different in that it can be one of the most brutal attacks in the franchise or mediocre at best. This is because it's based entirely on the total damage the character who has summoned her has done over the course of the game. That's cool. That's a cool mechanic. Yeah, so I guess... It's kind of like Jump from Super Mario RPG. Yeah. Um, Number four. Bahamut Zero. Final Fantasy Type O. Still counts. So, yeah. <laughs> Still, Still counts. counts. Bahamut Zero is by far the strongest iteration of Bahamut in the games. It's a level 99 Eidolon with the brutal breath attack Mega Flare. Mega Flare on its own is indeed strong, but its full potential is realized when it's fully charged. When fully charged, Mega Flare becomes Giga Flare, which, uh, and when that's fully charged, it becomes Terra Flare. Terra Flare summons a number of Bahamuts to its side, and they all concentrate a simultaneous attack on the enemy. 
That's pretty badass. Yeah. yeah. How is that not number one? <laughs> we'll find out, won't we? Let's get going. I'll be so bummed if Knights of the Round ends up being number one because we all just didn't pick it because it was too yeah. obvious. <laughs> number three, Phoenix from Final Fantasy VII. I forgot yeah. about Phoenix. Yeah. Phoenix is easily the strongest summon in Final Fantasy VII and is a strong contender for the entire franchise. This reason is because of the iconic mood Rebirth Flame. Rebirth Flame will deal massive fire damage to every opponent on the battlefield, but it will also cause all down party members to be instantly revived to full health if Concentrate is equipped. That's badass. Yeah. And the most important part is you can also junction it to the... There's a move called like Final Attack or something. So if a character goes down, they will automatically cast it up to five times, depending on how many summons you have. So it's basically a get-out-of-jail-free card against the, all, the ultimate super bosses and stuff. Well, that's what's up. I'm going to have to remember that. <laughs> Number two. Knights of the Round, <laughs> Final Fantasy VII. Okay. Where are we going? The, the most here? powerful summon in Final Fantasy VII are the Knights of the Round, who are absolute beasts in combat. During the ultimate end, each of the 13 Knights will perform a separate attack that's a combination of various element magics and physical strikes. All attacks ignore magic defense. This attack is enough to kill everything except the weapons, the final boss, and chocobos, which can't be killed anyway. It's a one-hit wonder as the MP cost is absurd and the animation time is atrocious. That's what this says. So number one, now that I see it, I should have known this, but number one, Thanks drum roll, round. is Yojimbo oh. from Final Fantasy X. <laughs> Yojimbo yeah. is so cool. The strongest summon in the franchise is Yojimbo from Ten. This samurai mercenary waits in a cave for the player to come along with enough gil to hire them. His power comes from a player willing to spend hundreds of thousands of gil for his services as a complex formula. But with the right cash and a bit of luck, he can one-kit hit-kill any foe in the game. This includes final bosses, secret bosses, and so on. It's The move is called Zenmato and requires a guide in and of itself to improve the odds of him actually using it, but meeting those requirements makes him the single strongest summon in the entire Final Fantasy series. Nice. I hate, I hate that I keep going on about the aesthetics of these characters. But it's a huge part of the summons that makes them so special is that they look cool. Oh, my phone's down to 10% battery, so my video's going to cool. go out soon. Uh, but um, like when you summon the Yojimbo, it makes all those noises that you associate with samurais and like samurai scenes and animes and stuff. It was like clicking bamboo, deer star- uh, startle, or you know, tick, 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 tick. And like the little sounds like, yo, yeah. and like, dong. It just, it all I mean, sounds Yeah, like, the summons, like, and their animations are a huge part of it. It's why, like, Ifrit in 7 is lame as hell. But you go to Final Fantasy 8, and Ifrit is so badass, you know? Is it 8 where he bends in half when he flicks the thing so hard? That's, like, that's what I always got a kick out of. Like, he takes the ground and he throws it up, and, like, his body, like, when he smashes it down, like, his body literally, yeah. like, almost. His head, his hands touch his feet, basically. He bends far backwards. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a very JoJo's pose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you don't get him in eight unless you have Odin for that one fight. What? Ifrit? Oh, oh, Ifrit. Oh, Jesus Christ. Sorry. You get Ifrit at the yes. beginning of the game. No, no, no. That's the first thing that happens. No, no, no. Sorry. <laughs> I was still thinking of Yojimbo, but even then it wasn't. It was Gilgamesh. I was thinking yeah, you're thinking Gilgamesh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Gilgamesh, you have to have Odin in the one fight against. Yeah. yeah. No, if, Ifrit does that power volleyball hit. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Um, Big double axe handle. Gosh, that was the coolest, though. Glad you went through that. Yeah, thank you, thank you. That was fun. So, Lots of nostalgia. Then that just leaves the uh, the house cleaning. So before I forget, first and foremost, Palsh, thank you for guesting, my brother. We appreciate it, man. It was good to have you. Who are you again? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> uh, We're a critical role. Thank you for showing up and playing D&D with us. <laughs> thank you. If you would I like have... to uh, 
follow us on Facebook. You can find us on facebook.com slash the Steam Machine Podcast. Uh, Twitter at uh, Steam underscore podcast uh, because somebody had the Steam Machine Podcast somehow or something like that. Or maybe I thought it was too long. I don't fucking remember. Um, but if you'd like to come join our Discord, which is really where all the action happens, it is at bit.ly slash TSMP Discord, all capital letters. Um, if you'd like to support the show, which would mean a hell of a lot to me, uh, is patreon.com slash the steam machine podcast. And it's $1 a month. Uh, you get all the episodes early, uh, possibly ad free coming up soon. Um, and yeah. And also if you donate $10 or more a month, you get your name right at the end of each and every episode. Like these wonderful people, Nate Sir Cogsworth, the seventh of Juniper, Jeff, the original expendable, Mr. Syllables, old Jeffy lube, so many nicknames, Jeff himself. Uh, Arisa Adam, shout out to his podcast, Revival and Extinction, and a new one, shout out to James, the Steam Machine Hall Monitor Hall. Yo, welcome on into the fam, James. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. I appreciate you. Uh, Other than that... Thanks for showing love. Really awesome. uh, If you would like a shirt, you can go to tsmpproductions.threatless.com, get you a sweet-ass... Um, I almost said tell him Steve Dave what the fuck is wrong with me <laughs> a sweet ass we don't even know what podcast we are the Steve Machine podcast shirt um, you can also get some of my album covers from my music over there on the shirt as well um, which if you want to try some of my music out if you like the intro music to the, the show uh, nilethenightmare.bandcamp.com um, please 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 leave us a five star review wherever you get your podcasts uh, that helps us a lot in the algorithm and, and things like that um, also I'm really bad at promoting the show. Uh, Nate does a wonderful job with the TikTok, and I'll let him plug that here in a minute. But if uh, if you would, uh, word of mouth really helps. Like, if you have friends who are gamers, show them the show. Maybe they'll like it. Maybe they'll hate it, but at least get them to listen and see if they like it. Yeah. If they hate it, tell us because I think they'll be fun. <laughs> uh, Just don't 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 leave a review if they hate it. But if they love it, you know, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, we're at nine nine five star reviews on iTunes. Let's get let's bump that up. Let's make that a nice even number. Um, get us to 10 and I'll give away 10 steam keys on the discord boom there you go okay nice Uh, and if you want all all of those links uh, at a nice succinct place where you just have to click a button to follow them you can go to bit.ly slash the steam machine podcast capitalized phonetically and bada boom it'll all be there including the things that Nate is going to plug right now yeah so go ahead and um, like Dal was saying, we do have a Steam Machine TikTok now. It's just the Steam Machine podcast on TikTok. You can find us, find our silly clips that I've been trying to record and put our beautiful, beautiful voices on top of. <laughs> um, and then also you can follow me. I'm planning on streaming again soon. I'm feeling the itch to get back into it. So follow me on Twitch, Twitter, and TikTok at TurtleBearMan. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I, I looked on my Twitch the other day and saw how close I am to being able to cash out, so I might stream again soon, too. <laughs> uh, maybe the game after Final Fantasy. Maybe whatever you choose, I'll stream that. Word. Willie, you got anything you'd like to plug, sir? Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to be seeing a practitioner for uh, medication for mental health. So, like, oh, yeah. I just want to tell everyone, you know, take care of your uh, mental health. I'm going to be getting on medicine for the first time in quite a while tomorrow. I'm looking forward to that. So, if you have any issues, if you need someone to talk to, you know, there's a lot of resources in your area. If you don't have the financial access, there are, you know, people like, you know, sponsored in your area that take, may take Medicaid or whatever you've got. And it's worth looking into it if you think you can't afford it, because I mean, your health is important. We value each one of you listeners and, um, you know, 
just take care of yourself. Be kind to yourself and do your best. Yeah, yeah. I know that uh, Jeremy started taking some medication, and he said that it's done wonders for him. And like, if you listen to the last couple episodes of Yab's Pod, like you can tell he's got a little more pep in his step. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's 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 good, man. Everybody should take care of mental health problems for sure. Um, sorry, to no, that's not bringing it down. Don't apologize for that at all. Also, go. Also, go play Galaga. It's 25 cents at most arcades <laughs> and pizzerias. What about you, Polsh? This is the time to plug something if you want to plug something, man. Like your uh, wood-burning business you have on Etsy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, oh, yeah. If, cool you, if you want, check out. Uh, I do pyrography or wood-burning art. And I do a lot of uh, video game-related stuff. So if you want to check that out, uh, it's on Etsy. Just look up PW Props Co. And that's uh, also on Instagram. I try to post in there when I'm working on some stuff in between. So, yeah. dude, if you have any ideas too, go for say, it. Dude's no slouch. Dude's stuff looks fantastic. Like, I might commission him to get me something done at some point soon because I love his work and I think he could handle what I'd throw at him. <laughs> He's done some really cool shit with, like, especially Locos and Iconog- Iconog- Iconography. <laughs> Goodness. I can never say that right either, stuff. so it makes me feel better. <laughs> All right. Well, I could I could think of a couple of things I would actually want from him if I had the spare cash. Oh man, anytime. <laughs> well, uh, if everything goes as planned, then in two weeks we'll be back with Final Fantasy Part Two, and we will have another guest with us. So we will, we will uh, leave it to the mystery for now. But thank you all for listening to the Steam Machine Podcast. Uh, and if you're new here, because Final Fantasy Seven brought you in, welcome, and we hope you stick around. Uh, part two will be coming in two weeks. We love you all. You all rock. For the Destructo Bros, for Polsh, for me, as always, guys. Did Sephiroth do this? Did Sephiroth do this?